Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree... And a guy who knows how to work a DVD player... Talk to you about movies. This week, Dan and I see where it all went wrong in the new Netflix killer documentary series crime thing, Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. And then... We take the time machine to 2007, and we watch Nicolas Cage play the Marvel superhero, Ghost Rider. Vroom, vroom, motorcycle, leather jacket, burning skull. All of, stare. All of that on this week's episode of Brownie Points. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, sorry for the delay on this. Uh, Nick and I kind of had a very, very busy weekend, so that's why you're getting this in the middle of Dan the Dan and I weren't talking to each other. Well, for for travel reasons, not personal. So uh, that's... That's personal. <laughs> so that's why this episode has come out very, very, very late. So uh, sorry about the delay, guys. And sorry if you were expecting... T- uh, to hear us talk about Bad Boys for Life, uh, that ended up not working out either. So, uh, among many things that happened over the weekend, but we're here, we're finally talking to you guys, and as we've been doing all of the month of January, uh, we're finally going to close out our lists uh, of 2019. This list, to close out uh, the the year let's say for 2019 is a look back at is the most arbitrary list possible (laughs) yes arguably so um we are taking a look back at our time machines for our brownie bite segment our brownie bite segment is dedicated to uh like i said lists for the month of january where in any other case it is an editorial segment for us to talk about Something that happened in the news, trailers, just whatever's on our mind. But as I already said, this week we are going to recap our favorite and least favorite Time Machine films that we watched in the year of Our Lord 2019. So I got my list up here. Nick, you have your list up. Uh, which do you want to go through like alternating or do you want to go through one? Than the I'd other? say do top, do top five, then do bottom five. All right. I'm down for that. So, uh, I will start off. I'll, I'll preface this with for my time machines. And I mean, agree with me or not. Um, I, my, my time machines, uh, I, I just pick these as the least end most favorite films I had, uh, or how should I say this? The films I had the least and most enjoyable time rewatching. These aren't hypercritical breakdowns of the films themselves. These are just the films I had the most and least fun rewatching for the show, whether it was me enjoying getting Nick's opinion on them or if I just personally just, I just enjoyed or really disliked rewatching the film uh regardless of for the show or not for the show i just this is the most loosey-goosey i've list i've made for the show so far so uh my number five 
favorite film that I got to rewatch for 2019. Uh, I'm kicking this off with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I I love that this movie. That just barely missed my list. Oh, interesting. I because I know you really enjoyed watching this movie, and I, it was a blast for us to talk about this movie. I I remember picking this film. I wanted to watch an older movie with you. I wanted to I've and I still want to watch more like outright black and white 50s, 60s, 70s like classic quote unquote movies with Nick. This film is phenomenal. It is a tragic story. It is just a tour de force like if you want to become an actor, watch this movie. This is an acting class 101 how to be a great actor. All four of the lead performances are fantastic. I don't have all the names up in front of me. I just got my title list in front of me, but uh, it was on Netflix when we watched it. If it's still there, check it out. It is... It's a fantastic character study about a couple in turmoil and just letting all their grievances and resentment out all at once and how it spills over into another... Younger couple, uh, a younger couple's relationship, and then I'm not going to say any spoilers beyond that, but Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It was an Academy Award-winning film from the late 50s, early 60s. Absolutely watch it. Uh, that's my number five uh, favorite film that we watched for The Time Machine. Uh, my number five goes all the way back to Sports Month! Sports Month! Sports Month! Uh, any Given Sunday... Um, I've always found this movie really good. I, I, I really like Al Pacino in it and Jamie Foxx. Um, I, I like the story, although, you know, it's, it's cliche, but, um, the Pacino, uh, speech about, uh, they're at the bottom. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. I think it's really well acted. I think it's, uh, shot in a very interesting manner. Um, I always love watching it, so that's my number five. Hooah! Or whatever Al Pacino Hoo-ah. says. Hooah! That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping he wins the Oscar for uh, The Irishman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, alright, so my number four uh, is a film that you very much don't like. I'm kind of expecting it to be on your list uh, for the opposite uh it's a Clockwork Orange. It's a Stanley Kubrick film. Malcolm McDowell, I think, gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. Uh, I think this is one of the best directed films I've ever seen. And getting to rewatch it with you, I will always cherish that debate, and I will always cherish debating that film t- to the end of time. I I will just I will plant a flag here and now, like I did before. I think A Clockwork Orange is one of the best films of the year. I think it's one of the best films about challenging morality and your own morality, thinking about who is the bigger enemy, the personal freedom or the state. I think it's um, I think it's a visually beautiful film. Again, it's written very, very, very well, I think, in terms of just that morality challenge that it presents while you're watching the film and just the super young Malcolm McDowell at the time in 1974, uh, just it's, it's a great film. 
it's one of the best films I've ever seen. I, it stands the test of time in terms of controversialness. I, it's hard pressed for me to think of a film that shocked audiences more than this film did. And yeah, that kind of weighed into it when I saw it. Of course, the first time I saw it, I, I didn't, I had to sneak around my parents to see it because my mom, sure, she instilled in me the, oh, oh my gosh, A Clockwork Orange. That's one of the worst films ever made. So I just, of course, when I saw it, that weighed into it too. But, um, so getting to rewatch it with you for the show, there's no way this wasn't going to make my list. And even still, I still think it's one of the better films I've seen. I think it's one of Stanley Kubrick's best films. Uh, yeah, that's my number four. It is a clockwork orange. Yeah, apparently it's a good date movie too. Uh, number four for me is, <laughs> uh, we saw two movies from this franchise this year. It's the Terminator, except it's the good Terminator movie we saw this year, not the crappy one. It's so good. The Arnold, he's, uh, he's emotionless and he kills everything. And then it's, it's a compelling story and it's also very, I, I gotta stop talking like that. Um, that sounded it's, like everything that I was just saying, but in Schwarzenegger's voice. Like, <laughs> uh, the the story's compelling. The acting's very good. Uh, Sarah it, Sarah Connor. It it's it's the most unique Sarah Connor one because it's back when she's frail and fragile and she's not you know essentially Rambo. Um, and it's it's got fantastic practical effects. The stop motion animation is incredible in it. Um, so yeah, that's my number four. Very nice. My number three is the only foreign film that we've seen for the Time Machine so far. It is the film directed by Zhang Yimou, starring Jet Li, Hero. I think that in terms of cinematography, this is the most beautiful film that we've seen for the Time Machine, and arguably one of the most beautiful films that we've seen for just brownie points in general. Uh, it's a a phenomenal story that starts out as just um, a simple uh, kind of retelling of just uh, this guy's story about how he ended up seeing the emperor taking out the assassins that were threatening his life and until it's not. And the mm -hmm. way it kind of twists itself from there is just something you have to see to believe it's fantastic acting across the board. Again, one of the most beautiful looking films that we've seen for the show. And you just have to see it to believe the way that this story plays out. It's uh, it's just one of the best martial arts films I've ever seen. And getting to watch it again with you is why it's on this list. Uh, it's Zhang Yimou's hero. It's arguably one of the best Jet Li performances in terms of acting. All, the entire ensemble itself is great, and if you haven't treated yourself to it and you don't treat yourself to foreign films that often, I will borrow what Bong Joon-ho said when he, accepted, when he accepted the Golden Globe for Parasite. All you have to do is look past the six inches on the screen that are subtitles. If you can get over that, you open yourself up to a world – of cinema that deserves to be seen and you will thank yourselves for it. That's kind of paraphrasing it, but yeah, that's, that's my number three Zangy Mouse hero. 
Uh, my number three is one of the more uh, depressing movies we've watched for the show, just in general. Uh, Doubt has some of the best acting I've ever seen. Uh, the scenes where it's just uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and the one nun arguing back and forth, just freaking riveting i think the story's very good i think it uh analyzes a lot of you know the societal impacts of you know yeah if they rat rat this uh or if they not rat if they tell on this priest what happens to the people not not just because it's the right thing to do but like is it going to ruin these people's lives to have this come out um so that that's my number three it's it was so depressing to watch but it was so good i i i, I loved it I oh my god that was so that was that was so hard for me to t- keep off this list I yeah I I agree with you doubt you absolutely need to watch it's an honorable mention for me in terms of uh honorable mentions for the best time machines uh I just it just missed my list uh but no thank you for bringing up doubt it's definitely a movie you need to watch if it's still streaming yeah, or if you have to pay for the rental, just pay for it. It's a great movie. Uh, yeah. So my number two is a movie that I picked for the show because I hadn't seen it before, and Nick just alluded to it being a good movie. You undersold it, dude. Scarface from, <laughs> I want to say, 1983. It's my Al Pacino film on the list. Um, <laughs> One of our worst reviews because of all the technical difficulties we had recording it. But you wouldn't know it because I edited it so well. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Pat on the back. But um, <laughs> uh, any, any Given Sunday did not make my best or worst of the year list. But uh, no, Scarface is my Al Pacino film. After I saw this movie, I was quoting it the entire week until I watched the next Time Machine film. I I love this movie. It is one of the best crime films, one of the best gangster films, one of the most quotable films I've I've ever seen, frankly. Uh, it, it it makes sense why this movie is heralded in the pedestal that it is. Uh, I mean, maybe it's idolized for not exactly the right reasons, but that's neither here nor there. It's it's a great, great gangster film. It's one of Al Pacino's best performances. It's one of Brian De Palma's best films. Uh, in terms of writing, it makes sense why Oliver Stone was able to uh, break out into cinema the way it, that he did following this film. Because he wasn't really that big of a director at this point. Uh, it makes sense why somebody decided to give him director money after this. Because, God, it's a great screenplay. And with Brian De Palma directing it, it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. It's oh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Just watch Scarface. It's great. It's vulgar. It's violent in all the right ways that you want a gangster film to be. Uh, yeah, that's that's my number two. I had such a blast watching this movie, and I really regret not having seen it before 2019. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why Scarface is my number two for The Time Machine. Um, my number two is, th- I will contend, the most depressing movie we've watched for the show. Uh, Your time machine list is 
Uh, your time machine list is very depressing. <laughs> Those kind of movies work on me. Um, Platoon. Uh, it has the most intense scene I can I think we've seen all year. The scene at the local village where you know they've got a gun pointed at a villager and uh i'm just sitting there like if you just put the gun away and stop and walk away this all stops stop escalating this um i love that movie i have been trying to find time to watch it again i just haven't had time love that movie it's so good can't recommend it enough and that's why it's my number two willem dafoe and tom Berenger is arguably one of the best like protagonist antagonist examples that in cinema that you could look for like the fact that both of them got nominated for oscars and neither of them won is an atrocity like the yeah i it's funny that we watched this for the show and then will and then willem dafoe gets snubbed in my opinion for the lighthouse in one of the best performances of the year. I don't care supporting lead, just Willem Dafoe basically being uh, uh, the sea captain from The Simpsons, but in the most serious <laughs> portrayal of that kind of stereotype, just Willem Dafoe is one of the best actors currently working. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Nick, you need to see The Lighthouse. That's the bigger point I'm trying to say. <laughs> outside of yes platoon is a great movie so uh the number one then my favorite film that we watched for the time machine kind of in the same vein that um i regret not seeing uh up to this point in my life in 2019 it starred jim carrey and matthew broderick <laughs> it's it's not the last time I'm going to bring up Matthew Broderick. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> my number one movie for The Time Machine. Just It's been this since May, and it's still true now, all the way in January. It's The Cable Guy. When you wanted to watch this for The Time Machine, I immediately was just like, it's on my secret shame list. I'm all on board for watching this, and... How had you the, never seen the movie that was gonna ruin Jim Carrey's career? I, I, I have no good reason. That's the thing. I had no good reason for not watching this movie, and in the twenty-seven years I have been alive, and I regret it. And it's it exceeded my expectations. This movie was better than I expected it to be by miles. The legacy it has, it more than deserves. It is thoughtful. It it does it stands for everything that I want to get out of a time machine movie. Why I uh, agreed with you and debated with you and just like fleshed it out to end up becoming the segment that it is, not just like let's watch a bad movie for the sake of watching bad movies. Let's not just <laughs> talk about good movies because we can gush over them and talk about how great they are. Like let's look at a movie. And see how it's aged, Dan, how it stood the test Dan, of time. We can't just we can't just watch movies you love. There has to be a point to this. Exactly, and Nick, I don't just want to watch a bad movie for the sake of you laughing at me hating a movie 
and you just like I know it's bad, but you listening, but listening to you talk about how bad it is just fills me with joy. Like, but <laughs> <laughs> let's look at a movie and give it a reappraisal as to let's look at it when it came out. Let's see how some things have come to 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 light. Like, see how oh my god, this actually did happen, or. Oh my god, that actually didn't age that well at all. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Um <laughs> not that he was in this movie, I'm just making a bad joke, but um uh, for the Campbell guy specifically, Jim Carrey's character getting to look at that characterization of just like TV rots the mind. That was a fascinating way to look at this movie because I mean, I do kind of resent it at a uh at a face value, but the fact that television in the 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 entertainment industry still being as big a role in our everyday lives looking back at that as just like how important the cable guy was not the like the paying the guy like to hook you up with hbo and midnight boxing and all that but the way that that was the hindrance of this relationship even though it kind of gets cartoony sure by the end of it but uh, the the satire, the subtle satire that director Ben Stiller, yes, that Ben Stiller, uh, <laughs> the guy that would go on to direct another satire that's brilliant and amazing, uh, Tropic Thunder, just uh, really is, is such a brilliant guy. When you watch this movie and realize how ahead of the curve that he was with the cable guy in the 90s to then direct a movie like – uh, satirizing the entertainment industry the way that he does with Tropic Thunder. I just um, – we talked about this movie already. It's back in May. Go look for it. I can't remember what the theatrical film was at the time, but um, to not waste any more time because we have another list of movies to talk about. I'll just – that was my favorite film to rewatch for The Time Machine was uh, The Cable Guy. Yeah, my number one is Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. Uh, like I said, when I, we reviewed it and when we made our original top five list, it was going to take a miracle to knock this thing off, and Platoon came pretty close. But um, fantastic documentary, great uh, great coverage, very unflinching. It does, it does nothing to really make the subjects look good. Um, if you want to hear about me, hear me gush about this movie for an hour – uh, go listen to the review. I, I I can't think of anything more to say than what I said in the review. So yeah, that's my number one. That movie just missed my top five. It was in my top five when we did the mid uh, mid year reviews. Yeah. It is a phenomenal documentary. It 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 escapes the traditional tropes of like just musicians making music and. You're only going to like this if you like their music. Like, it does – to – again, it's – it's it's I, I feel bad that James and the band go through what they do, even though they do find the light at the end of the tunnel. But to that same degree, if they didn't go through that, we wouldn't get this hell of a great documentary. Yeah. It's amazing watching what they go through. Like, for me as a viewer – even though at the same time, good lord, that had to have been hell to have gone through. Yeah. Even though it made them better in the end, 
Uh, I mean, yes, James, but isn't James still in rehab right now as of the taping? James James is not in rehab, but he has not made a public appearance. Um, I think he's actually next month making his first public appearance at a car show. But, yeah, he's he's not – since he entered – I think within like a week or two of us watching that movie, he entered rehab for the second time, and he's not made a public appearance since then. He's not done an interview. God, the – the the struggles of addiction man like yeah. our hearts go out to him and anybody in rehab so i mean yeah just no i agree that's a great documentary it just missed my top five it would have been on it if we did a top 10 but that would yeah. have kind of <laughs> between uh here uh here's a little inside baseball um <laughs> if we did a top 10 best and top 10 worst that would probably cover every movie that we watched for the time machine. And some movies don't <laughs> deserve to be some movies don't deserve to be considered the best. And some movies definitely don't get uh should be considered the worst. So um <laughs> uh take note of Speaking when, of worst. <laughs> yeah, take note of when I put observe, observe and report in the worst list, even though I like that movie. Um <laughs> So yeah, Dan let's, loved uh, every friggin' movie for the first three months. Uh, speaking of right. worst, my yes, my number you, you kick off the worst with the number five this time. Clockwork Orange. I could not stand watching this movie. I thought it was pompous and full of itself. Uh, I found it to be that annoying kid that thought it was deep and complex. And it's like, no, you're just an annoying douche. Um, so yeah, I I couldn't stand that movie. If you want to hear me really go into detail on it. Listen to the listen to the review because I freaking hated sitting through that movie. Um, so that's my number five. I still cherish that review. I I'm disappointed you didn't like it, but I respectfully disagree with your opinion on it. Um, <laughs> my number five. Um, this movie we just watched somewhat recently for the show. Um, and it's my own pick, so it's my own fault that we watched it. Uh, hackers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that will definitely be coming up again sometime. I I remember picking it on a whim, and no, just I think I I think I picked Hackers literally because I did no research on it, and we were recording the outro in like twenty seconds, and I just pulled up I pulled up Just Watch, and I was like, oh, Hackers is fine. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. You did pick it. Let me take that back. You did pick it because you were just like, uh, I'm on Just Watch and I don't know what to pick. And I just, on a whim, said, uh, I heard Hackers isn't a great film. And you're like, uh, okay, Hackers. I and... think my exact <laughs> words were, good, we'll go with that. Yeah, and so I guess, sure, let's, how about this? Let's jump on the grenade together. So, um, yeah, Hackers was terrible. I kind of yeah, regret sucked. <laughs> yeah, Hackers is terrible. Um, I would do a brief plot breakdown, but I kind of forgot the movie the week after we watched it. <laughs> outside of... It was extreme! Oh, yeah, outside of just... It's what... Uh, kind of like how I was talking about The Cable Guy was a time capsule for satirizing what it wanted to satirize to the opposite degree to a very dated and painful degree hackers 
is a time capsule of just like the hacker culture and everybody looks like this with their spiked hair and eyeliner and just that ew, bad boy's sense of humor and dialogue just like and that music the is a and, thing. yeah it's like what somebody that didn't get the matrix was trying to describe the matrix as to somebody else like it yeah. just oh my god it is a painful movie to sit through like kind of looking back at a yearbook and you're just like oh god why did i look like that like ugh, <laughs> that's how painful hackers was to uh to sit through so that's that's my number five uh what's your four speaking of speaking of things that didn't age well my number four is wedding crashers um oh hey that might pop up later too um <laughs> God, this movie did not age well from the pretty bland and predictable story to just the really forced and mean-spirited jokes of the movie. I, It's not that I couldn't stand watching this movie, but I was just like, man, this isn't that great. So that's my number four. All right, well, my number four um, is a movie that I am also of two minds of. Um versus some other movies i've seen like it's nicholas cage it's a movie that we watched together one of the only movies that we oh watched together God. versus skype um <laughs> it is vampire's kiss and i like i said when i put on the film critic i had hat, way too much fun to put that movie on here when i put on the film critic hat this movie thinks it's incredibly smart and incredibly deep when in execution it is so painfully off the mark like i have to give credit where credit is due like i i get the bigger story it wants to tell but oh my god when you have this movie about like somebody going through a psychological disorder like this and then Nick and I are both literally crying, actually crying, laughing, watching at this movie. Yes, I had fun watching it, but it was it's not for the right reasons. Movie. Oh, dude, I enjoyed watching this movie, but for very much the wrong reasons. Like, that's why it's yeah. my it, that's why it's still on my worst of the time machine list, because the intentions definitely did not meet the execution so yes in a critical sense it is a one of the worst movies i've ever seen outside of the time machine but to the same degree i'm glad we got to watch that movie together and just laugh our asses off while we were watching it because i that is that is something i'll never forget introducing you to vampires because you because you had not watched that movie before and i, I i'd for, heard it and i'd seen the memes but other than that I will forever cherish the fact that I got to have the entire 90 minutes of that movie uh, to share that with you, seeing it from start to finish. Uh, yeah. Even though, yes, it's still one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> my uh, my number three is Shakespeare in Love. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay, say your piece. <laughs> thought it was annoying. Didn't really enjoy anything in it. That's all I'm going to get it, because other, otherwise I don't remember any of it. Uh, that's all I'm going to get into for my number three. I, I, 
I agree that it shouldn't have lost or it shouldn't have beaten Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture, but everything else I humbly disagree. I think it's a great movie. You should watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, my number three is one movie that you already talked about that has very, very dated humor that doesn't age well and two lead performances that actually aren't that great if you think about it uh wedding crashers <laughs> i i understand that this came from a time when owen wilson and vince vaughn were supposed to be the new like buddy cop duo or the buddy comedy duo of the century and i it just it's not funny guys this movie is not funny like there is chemistry between them sure but like nick said all the jokes are so mean-spirited. They have not aged well at all. It's just supposed there's to be nothing, funny that a guy is gay. There's nothing witty or timely about the humor. It's just all really lazy. And it just – outside of the fact that Rachel McAdams and Owen Wilson have really good scenes together, like a romantic drama just about them where maybe Vince Vaughn comes in and he's the antagonist, like – if they spun the movie in that direction, like, maybe I would have liked it more, but as a buddy-buddy comedy where these guys are already not likable at all, so why should I care about them just because one of them falls in love with Rachel McAdams? I just – I'm sorry, movie. You kind of lost me right off the bat. Like, and making <laughs> homophobic humor at the same time as misogynistic humor and just uh, – this movie has not aged well, and – Unlike a well, like a lot of movies from the early thousands, like this one is particularly stale. I'm I'm sorry. My number three is Wedding Crashers. So to transition from that, going to a movie that uh, was hated when it first came out, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Dull. Uh, I fell asleep three times watching this movie for the show on a day where I wasn't tired. Um, it was so boring. The CGI, <laughs> the CGI was so bad. Um, the story was just bizarre. Uh, a lot of the action set pieces were ridiculous. You could tell that uh, Harrison Ford was too old for it. Um, the the part time line was so bizarre. Part time. Why is that the take you went with? Um, yeah, that's my number two. Just, I, I, the only thing I can know to really, like, describe that movie, I wasn't tired, and it put me to sleep three times. Yeah, this was not a great movie. I'm not saying I like it that much more than you, but I definitely didn't like it. Um, <laughs> my number two is a movie I know you like. Um, it managed to miss your list, but... This movie was the bar for a very, very long time until very, very at least recently. Uh, my number two is the Matthew Broderick film from uh, uh, oh I, I'm I already forgot the director's name, but who cares? It's his butchering of Godzilla. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, Roland Emmerich, that's his name. Roland Emmerich's Godzilla from 1997. I can't or 98. That's right. I cannot stand this film. It is too cartoony, while also being way That's a too third serious. Time machine, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that was after. Uh, was that after Spider Man or before Spider Man? That was. I got the list pulled up here. Give me a minute. I was gonna say I think that was Godzilla just... was the second. Oh, so it went Fargo, Godzilla, Spider Man, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So no, Fargo, Godzilla, then the bonkers insanity that was Butterfly Effect. Oh, that was that early. Yeah. Oh, I thought then the Butterfly Spider-Man. Effect was later. Yeah. We watched God, the Butterfly, Butterfly Effect, Effect before cool. Spider-Man. Wow. I can't Butterfly believe I already Effect forgot. Butterfly Effect was so cool. I, I kind of want to rewatch it. I forgot we watched the Butterfly Effect before Spider-Man. Wow. Uh, but anyway, back to Godzilla. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie was absolutely insane. This movie was terribly acted. The physics of Godzilla himself were ridiculous, on top of the fact that, like, he just – there's such a weird tone in this movie where, like, it kind of is just – I couldn't tell if the movie didn't want to be goofy, but it just came off like that, or if it tried to be goofy while also serious at the same time. Like, uh, I already said the physics of Godzilla just – they don't make sense throughout the film. I just – it's already a hard sell for me to go to a big blockbuster action movie, but movies like Godzilla are what I point to as to why I don't go to tentpole action movies that often that aren't Marvel films. It is <laughs> loud. It is stupid. It is just – I'm sorry. It's Chicago. I, it's, it's Manhattan. It takes place – I did – the one scene I did enjoy was seeing MSG get blown up just because – I that was my hub for commuting for all for so many years, and to see a blow up just kind of made me feel nice, especially after I moved. But um, <laughs> but oh. a, aside from that, I just I don't care for this movie, dude. I found it to be so so dumb. I know you have a nostalgic connection to it, but I don't. I'm sorry. I I thought this movie was just so dumb. So. uh... I guess that means my number one is next, and it's Hackers. Uh, this Hackers movie is was... your number one? I freaking hated that movie. Dang, I didn't think you disliked it that much. It was, wow. It was stupid. It was it was ridiculously overstylized. It doesn't hold up. Uh, I mean, it's not that it doesn't hold up. It doesn't... It, it, it's just stupid. It's really nonsensical. Computers don't work like that. The internet doesn't work like that. They act like hacking is to hack the world. It's a movement. We're the new hippies. No, you're just annoying little turds that need to be flushed down a toilet. I couldn't stand this movie. <laughs> I'm glad it made both of our lists. That's so funny that it's your number one. I... Wow, I was not expecting that to be your number one. I honestly thought Clockwork was going to be your number one. Nope. I oh, can see a... where Clockwork is good. I can't see anything good in Hackers. Oh, I don't either. I I, I, I agree. Um, but that's not my number one. My number one should be obvious for loyal listeners. It is the found, horror, found footage horror movie, As Above, So Below. I, I will keep this quick. Because you should just listen to my hour-long tirade about this movie. I hate this movie. I hate all the characters. I hate all the decisions they make. I hate that it's found footage. 
I laughed out loud multiple times when people thought they were going to die because I wanted them to die, and they didn't until they did in the most unsatisfying way imaginable, unless Dan, they didn't. Dan was Dan was Baby Yoda in that one meme. He was like, yes, die, trash. Yes, unless they didn't die, which made me even angrier because I wanted all of them to die. I just – I hadn't – Th- that was single-handedly the most angry I was at a movie for the show, period. Like, no, I didn't like Hellboy. No, I didn't like Captive State. No, I really didn't like La Llorona. But As Above, So Below is hands down the worst movie we've seen for the show this year, in my opinion. I – oh, and we – you already told me what we're going to watch for The Time Machine next week. And I – whoo, we got a strong contender for that. So, um <laughs> – <laughs> And don't forget, I bought $2 copies of Devil Inside. Or yes. Devil, yeah, Devil Inside. Yep, so I know that the found footage horror film craze will continue, so... <laughs> I won't let it die. Oh, God. But, yep, that's my number one, my least favorite film that we watched for The Time Machine, As Above, So Below. If you want to watch it, for God knows why, it's on Netflix still, as far as I know. But, um, yeah, I... That's my number one. <laughs> so with that, I mean, Nick, do you have uh, anything like honorable mentions for either list or anything you want to add? No, I, I, I said them as they went along. Right. Yep. I don't have anything to add either. So with that, that is our final list regarding 2019. Next week for Brownie Bites, we will have... Back to normal Brownie Bites. Brownie yeah, we will... We'll let you know what we have going on, whether it is, again, trailer talk, uh, something in the news, or if we make up our own new editorial segment, you'll just have to wait and find out. For now, we are going to take a very brief break, and we will be back to let you know about not Bad Boys for Life, but the Netflix serial killer documentary that we watched instead, Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. As we mentioned before, uh, Nick and I were traveling, and we both ended up not being able to go see Bad Boys for Life, as we mentioned uh, in last week's episode. So we just took Netflix on the road with us, and we found the time to watch Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Uh, it is a serial killer documentary that is on Netflix, and sure, if you want to think about it, how did we find time to watch a three and a half hour documentary? Well, just like <laughs> well, let me put it this way: wild. Bad Boys for Life wasn't gonna be. I wasn't wasn't coming out till Thursday or Friday, and uh, the Aaron Hernandez documentary came out on either a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So that's how we found time for it. Well, that and I watched – this was uh, – if you if you didn't watch it with us, it was split up into three hour and ten minute parts. So I watched part one when I was on the road, and I saw the other two parts when I wasn't on the road, but Nick still was. So at least that's how I got it done. Yeah. But, so uh, <laughs> so the, the, tra- the issue with the traveling was Dan went on the road for like three or four days – 
and then once he was coming back, I was going on the road for three or four days. So that's why this episode is so late, and we also didn't see a movie we said we were going to see, is because we basically were uh, unreachable for a week. Well, the night that I was going to see Bad Boys, you texted me and said, uh, I can't go see Bad Boys. Yeah. So I'm I te- like, oh. I texted, I, te- I literally canceled my Bad Boys ticket 10 minutes ahead of time and texted Dan and said, hey, just a heads up, I've been watching the weather and they said it was clear all week and now they're talking about an ice storm hitting St. Louis. I might have to leave tonight instead of tomorrow morning. So uh, we're, I was like, I can't see Bad Boys for Life tonight. And I was like, and I don't know when I'm going to have time to see it over the weekend. So that leads me literally in my hotel to go, um, okay, well, uh, my wife is borrowing the car right now to go see some friends that I didn't want to be a third wheel with. So I'm just at home or at the, uh, at the hotel uh, you just watched this Aaron Hernandez documentary, right? Yeah. And Nick's like, and Nick's like, yeah, I watched that uh, just uh, yesterday. So I'm like, all right, word. I guess I'll just watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary then. So, <laughs> so that's how I saw part one, and then I saw the other uh, two episodes uh, when I actually got back to Cincinnati. But, uh, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a little bit of insight into how we ended up watching this instead. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, this is the kill, this is Killer Inside the Mind of Heron Hernandez. So, um <laughs> uh onto the movie itself. This documentary uh is about the former New England Patriots tight end who was drafted in the same year as uh world-class all-pro, multiple-time pro bowler Rob Gronkowski and they were feared to be the uh the deadliest tight end duo in <laughs> nice NFL history. <laughs> right. <laughs> no no pun intended. So, uh, <laughs> but while Aaron's career and Rob's to a much greater extent, while their careers were blooming, Aaron Hernandez had his world turned upside down when it was discovered that he was involved with not one, not two, but at least, emphasis on at least, Three murders that at, he went at to least trial three for. murders and an attempted fourth, and a full-on assault in another incident that was in this movie. That I who knows if there's more or not. There probably is, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's it's historical record. Whatever he's uh, he was sentenced to life in prison, but then. Uh, ended his own life so uh this was a an historical historical i'm using loosely uh recap of his life everything that happened to him in between 2013 and what 2016 when he killed himself 20 2013 was when the murders happened and when the trial began uh 2012 was the double homicide uh, 2013 was the murder of Odin Lloyd, and then uh, 2017 is when he hung himself in his cell. Okay, so 2017. But, but okay, it, so it's, it, it's... he also he also had like a couple assaults 
when he was in college uh, down in Florida. Right. So this is, I mean, this is a life recap of him for, I mean, it is a complete life it, recap between. It, what it, what uh, it breaks down, what it breaks down to as is, uh, it, it, the title's misleading because it's, it's the mind of Aaron Hernandez. And really what it is, is it's the, it's a look at the sociolo- sociological aspects that, uh, influenced his psychological state, uh, leading to to a man who murdered at least three people yes and, and and honestly it's debatable if he murdered any of them but he was at least at all of the murders uh that's something that they kind of talk about in it is, is it's never exactly established who pulls the trigger in any of the murders but he was at least at the scene of every one of the murders. The, o- the yeah. only one, the only one that they can definitively say he pulled the trigger on was the uh, like attempted murder of that one guy that was the gun runner and drug dealer. Wait, they didn't definitively. I thought. I, well, I mean, they, he got convicted of murder with Odin Lloyd. They didn't. Well. Okay, so they with Odin Lloyd, I think they said they never definitively proved, or they weren't entirely sure who pulled the trigger. With the double murder, he got off because they couldn't prove that he pulled the trigger and that it wasn't the guy testifying saying Aaron pulled the trigger because they thought that that guy might have done it too. Right, that's true, yeah. But the one, the one the, that the one that they know for sure he did was when he shot the guy in the face. Right, that guy. Like I remember when he was introduced in part one, I actually was a little confused. Like not confused, but like I was curious about like why his right eye just yeah. I, I watched it for the first time with Kelsey, and she goes, "Does that guy have a glass eye?" I thought that too. I thought like, is there like some sort of medical issue, or does he have a fake eye? But then at the end of part two, with that huge cliffhanger of him literally just like, so I he I'm asleep and he just shoots me in the face. Like, oh okay, I guess I have to watch part three now. Like, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, the uh, I'll give my general hot take on the film before we get into it. Um, Nick, I'll let you too. So yeah, I my my thoughts just generally on the film. I I've been of two minds of this movie. So, or well, t- technically it's a limited series. Yes, it's our first not movie technically it's a limited series it's a a new release that was that was on a streaming platform that we use all the time we and we didn't have time to technically see a movie that this this is our cop-out yeah i i semantics it's a mini series it's not a movie whatever we we needed to watch something so um and neither of us thought about watching the two popes obviously nick didn't but um (laughs) (laughs) thanks nick's not cultured yeah yeah, I'm <laughs> just giving you crap. Um, <laughs> so, um, hashtag Nick's so, a piece of crap. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like 
feel like I'm being attacked for being uncultured. <laughs> well, we'll save that for another episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for Oscar week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or or when we were doing Golden Globe nominees. Oh, oh, right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so my my hot take on this limited series, I I couldn't help but remember and feel nostalgic looking at this with all the thoughts and the feelings I had while I was able to read and hear about this in real time throughout 2013 and 2014. 17 there were some things that i didn't know that we can dive into a little bit more deeply um versus the things that like obviously that i knew happened like this movie clearly wasn't as much for me as it was for people that didn't follow it as much but with that kind of bias let's say at the same time Looking at how the film constructed this story, it's it's kind of a hot mess. Like, <laughs> what I've been able to boil it down to as my biggest issue with this movie is that it doesn't really have a thesis. It doesn't it doesn't have a cohesive point that's made that clearly. It's like edited the way you complete ass. The way you surmised the film literally a minute ago was better than the movie itself tried to tell this story. It, like it tells it tells its, its story it's with like over... three separate timelines. It tells the story based on what uh, based on when he was in high school. It tells the story based on when he was in college. It tells the story based on post college, and it, it it's like that's fine if you tell it. Like, in a linear story path, but they're like, we're going to start with him being a pro. Then we jump back to his high school days. And then we jump back to him being a pro after the murder. And then we jump back to high school right before he went to college. Then we jump back to pro pre-murder. It's like, look, man, I can follow this. I can follow this just because I know a lot about this. Your storytelling is really all over the place it's not that it's not that i'm not a fan of non-linear storytelling like there's been a lot of great movies that are non-linear but it's the fact that this movie doesn't have a real thesis that it leans into like it's it's it it, it feels scatterbrained for the sake of being scatterbrained like i just it doesn't it doesn't have one it feels, thing that it, it feels leads like your friend for... telling you this story by going oh my god and then there was this thing and there's this thing and oh dude i forgot to tell you about this other thing from before yeah there's it's it has a lot of evidence and a lot of thoughts about like oh maybe it was repressed homosexuality maybe it was cte maybe it was abusive parents maybe, maybe it was maybe it was maybe it was uh after his father died growing up or growing up around uh terrible people right so maybe like, maybe outside, it was south florida like yeah outside you know what's funny so he she- he went he went to school he went to school at the university of florida you know the gators so i sat there the whole time and i was like wait is crawl about to start happening was he the apex predator 
apparently he killed more people than the girl from Crawl. Actually, no. No. She was responsible for more people dying than Aaron Hernandez was confirmed. He Did he kill more people than that gator did in that movie? Chomp, chomp, no. <laughs> so, I, so, anyway, those two... I just... That's the biggest thing of this movie, and I'll finish this with just saying that it made me want to watch O.J. Made in America, the ESPN documentary again, because it – I and I'll, I'll say this real quick. That movie had a cohesive through line where it wasn't so much about O.J., as it was about the world around him. It had such a clear uh, idea where it didn't just want to tell the OJ story again. It wanted to tell a bigger story about America and how it made OJ a big deal, like as a side effect. I, and I mean, maybe you can say this is an unfair judgment, but while I was watching this, and given I don't watch that many serial co- documentaries because I just – I find them really cookie cutter. I find them re- redundant. There's nothing that there's that's that creative to achieve with them because they all tell the same story minus like this adjective or this specific murder scene. Just – it's always just, well, he was such a good boy before and then I found the dead body under the lawn. Like – I so so watching this after watching OJ Made in America we, we we suspected nothing. I'm glad you suspected nothing because if you suspected something and allowed this to go on, I'm going to have a problem with it. Yeah, and it just that's what it really just boiled down to was just I've seen the story before. I outside of like the variables of like the names and the specific way he murdered people i just nothing was nothing was that enlightening nothing was that entertaining i got more entertainment out of just the nostalgia of just being in the moment in the real world like watching it unfold over three years and all this was for me was like a three-hour recap where yes of course the revelation that he was gay the the revelation that um about his aunt. I forgot his – or his cousin. His cousin being so involved. I forgot about that. And the – all the phone calls – the phone calls were my favorite part of the movie in between each segment. Whenever it was just this, him and his fiance movie, or anytime, him and his anytime, mom. Anytime in this movie or series or whatever that uh, Aaron Hernandez actually talks is very chilling. Oh, they are absolutely the best part of all three parts like, of this limited series. Hands down. The, the the there's the one where he's screaming at his mom. The one the opening one where he's talking to uh his his daughter his his infant daughter. The one where he's talking to his daughter uh, about what Santa says. The one where he talks about why he loves his prison cell. It's it is oh dude him is, talking about sorry him talking about his prison cell sent the most chills down my spine. That was so Yeah. That was so disturbing, especially when the detective police officer, I can't remember his rank, when he said that Aaron Hernandez just seamlessly went from 
100,000 square foot mansion to his 8 by 12 cell without any trouble. Yeah. That and immediately. The, the, co- the cops just like, man, that was creepy and weird. It's like, I, 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 t- I take what you have to say on that uh, very truthfully because, yeah, that probably would freak someone out that sees this every day and sees people struggle and freak out. Oh my god, I I agree. That scared the crap out of me just watching it in the hotel. Like, because that happened in part one. Like, I... I just... Ugh. There's, again, there's certain things I think are really compelling in this, but at the end of the day, for me, as, like, the film critic of the show, I still think, as a whole, this film really didn't have a specific thing it wanted to say... It doesn't this, you really know what this leave... is, is this this is this is Richard Jewell, the documentary, where the story itself is what's the what's the good part of it, and it's just done sloppily. Well, the only person that this movie bastardized was uh his second lawyer, not everybody that uh, wasn't his Richard mom, himself. It makes his mom out to be the friggin' devil. Okay, well that's true. Yes, that's the the she, overly she's, sympathetic. She's married. The, her, her her and Aaron's dad are married, and they have a very uh, tumultuous and uh, abusive relationship. His dad dies suddenly and unexpectedly, and then she starts letting uh, someone else's husband start clapping her cheeks. Dude, whoa, hold on! Not just somebody else. Yeah, uh, like her a family member's husband. husband. Her sister's husband. Yeah. Let's not let's not make light of that. Yeah. Like <laughs> his mom's terrible. I mean, she's not, you know, a convicted murderer, but in a documentary about oh, a convicted murderer, it, though. It's it's pretty bad in a documentary about a convicted murderer to come out as the worst person. She comes close. Oh yeah, she's easily by a hair the second worst person in this movie, for sure. Yeah. Like, Again, it literally I just, t- it literally took a guy murdering people for her to not be the worst person in this. Yes, yes. All those little notes aside, and the fact again, I let's not gloss, gloss over the fact that his high school quarterback said that they uh, experimented. Let's say for our rating, um, I sure. Um, <laughs> out, outside of that, though, I I still wish this movie had a real cohesive thesis that it wanted to follow and wanted to tell a broader story rather than just like a general recap and just kind of followed the same kind of tropes and cliches that other serial killer documentaries that both of us have seen before. Um, it just at the end. It felt like just a run-of-the-mill serial killer documentary that just happened to have a Netflix budget for me. So I – on our scale, a masterpiece, if not one of the best films of the year, is a full pan of brownies with sprinkles and fixins and whatnot. A pretty good overall film is a full pan of brownies. A so-so 50-50, which I'm going to give Killer Inside a half pan of brownies – a bad movie, but maybe kind of redeemable in some regards as a single brownie, and then a dumpster fire that could qualify for the worst film of the year is a movie that's so bad you don't get a brownie, you get a raisin cookie. So, like I said, I'm only gonna give the killer. I'm only gonna give Killer Inside a half pan. 
Uh, so, Nick, what's your hot taken rating? Uh, I give it a full pan. Um, I uh, had a very strange connection to this. Um, two weeks prior to the, or actually a week prior to the Odin Lloyd murder, I was in Boston. Oh, oh wait, you were that close to that? Yeah. That was when I did the East Coast baseball trip with my dad. Was a week before Odin Lloyd was murdered. Were you guys hanging out in Attleboro or whatever nope. the name of that neighborhood was? Nope. Nope, 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 thankfully. Um, <laughs> but the the other thing, too, is I worked for a company called Fans um, at the time. And what Fans was, because I'm not entirely sure they're still around, because I, I know they sold... And then at least half of the locations closed. Fans is basically a lids locker room. Uh, you know, sells hats, jerseys, shirts, uh, just tons of fan apparel, uh, but not actual like autograph memorabilia um, uh, type stuff. Uh, but instead of being owned by lids, it's owned by the Utah Jazz. That's why it's got the ZZ at the end. Um, but. I remember being at work when the news broke that Aaron Hernandez was being arrested because I was at work and it was on the TV and I can't remember who exactly said it, whether it was an employee or a customer, but they said Aaron Hernandez is being, uh, has a, is being arrested in connection to the murder of Owen Lloyd and someone in the store went, he effing what? Like I, I worked for a company that sold this dude's jersey. Like we, we got, an email about because uh, they talk in the they talk in this documentary about the Patriots having a jersey buyback program. We didn't have that, but we just discounted his jerseys. So, like, we would have to put in like a discount code, like we'd have to type it in. And there was a guy apparently that do got you, on, that do you, got do you fired. Remember what the code was? No, but I remember why a guy got fired is because the code he put in was. Hell, man, he killed a guy. He actually typed that into the computer? Typed that into the computer and got fired because that wasn't the right code. Um, but, wow. Um, but what? Uh, I remember watching this uh, like soap opera unfold for months at work. Like, this was at a time where... I was paid to pay attention to sports. Like, I would get off work, and I don't even like the NBA. I would get off work and, like, typically watch, like, if nothing else was on, I would at least put on an NBA, like, finals game in the background so I knew what to talk about at work the next day. Right. Um, but I, that's what kind of really drew me in was I, I, I remember when this was happening very distinctly. Um... And the homosexual thing came out way later. Like, it came out close to the end. Um, but Dude, I don't even remember any of that being a thing. Like, I, I, I remember, I mean, it, me I remember, remember. it really coming out during the double murder trial. Um, and then being really played up around when he killed himself. Okay, I at the time he killed himself, I I definitely was like kind of tuned out. Like I just assumed he was 
rotting in jail. Like, I forgot that he was still up for the double murder, and I definitely did not know. Dude, that I he remember had... the day the news. I remember the day the news broke that he was connected to multiple murders. Because I remember uh, a guy I worked with at Fans was a big New England Patriots fan. And uh, Ryan, I don't know if you listen to this, but what's up, dude? I miss you. I hope you're enjoying Florida. Um, but Hi, Ryan. But, dude, when that news broke, I remember talking with Ryan and him just being like, what the hell was this guy doing? And uh, the thing that I, I found interesting, because I've, I've heard it with other like uh like other athletes um where they get drafted and they stay in uh a uh, a great documentary the Mar- the Marinovich project was a th- ESPN 30 for 30 about Todd Marinovich uh he had a drug problem and it got exacerbated because he got he was from California he went to USC and then he got drafted by the Raiders um he didn't murder anybody, by the way. He's not a murderer. But they talk about, they're like, one of the worst things possible is for him to get drafted by the team in the area that he's from. Because then he just sits there and doesn't, like, get away from the culture he's in. And that was something that was interesting to hear with Aaron Hernandez. Was They were like, it's funny because most people think going to the Patriots, like, when Antonio Brown had all those issues this year, it was like, oh, of course, he's going to get it turned around with New England. And uh, he didn't. But, like, you hear about, like, the Patriot way and all that stuff, and it turns everyone around. And with Aaron Hernandez, it did not at all. It's actually the worst thing that could have happened to him because he just stayed right where he was around the around the worst people he could be around. But Right, because Massachusetts is only, like, it's that's the thing about the Northeast. Like, I mean, I didn't go up past... Uh, the furthest north I ever went was I had a family trip to Boston 10 years before I even moved to New York itself. But yeah, it is not that far of a distance to go anywhere in the upper northeast. So, yeah, like it's the best football program in the country. <laughs> to put it in perspective, I remember but... driving through Rhode Island on that 2013 East Coast baseball trip. We drove through Rhode Island diagonally in 30 minutes. Right, so it, <laughs> like again, the like longest said, way New possible, York, it took us thirty minutes. That's the thing, though. Like the best football program in the country at the time, but you're like less than three hours away from home, maybe even less than two hours away from home. Like amongst all that stuff that all your baggage comes with, there's only so much that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft can do. Like. Yeah. That's a, that's another favorite part of the documentary of mine was the fact that they got footage of Robert Kraft making a testimonial. Like I think dude, the one great of the thing they got was they got they got video of Bill Belichick not being a curmudgeon. Dude, one of the most two of the most let's say untouchable people in the entire league, both yeah. vulnerable, having to answer these insanely uncomfortable questions. This isn't. Oh, how did to you me, lose to this me, game? the most telling thing about Robert Kraft, like the way he viewed Aaron when he had to testify in the trial, he never looked at him when he walked by him, ever. And they and they point out in the documentary, they're like, it's actually kind of weird how close they were, because Robert Kraft never really got close to anyone like that. 
and they show like them being buddy buddy and stuff like that and then he walks in and he acts like it's a person he's never seen before and, and that Aaron's not there and when they're like oh and that Aaron when, when Aaron when they're like Aaron so, heard he was coming in and they're like Aaron turned around six times before Robert Kraft walked in the room I was like oh man that's weird oh dude I like that that moment was really compelling too but there was I'm just throwing this out there just as general not to add to the Robert Kraft part but watching that versus like did you notice how many times the the series still did the cliched like they slow-moed the shot at the very moment that Aaron happened to look at the camera and like it just came off as just like this is the face of a serial killer just like I get well, it. Like, this is a movie he, about a killer. So you don't have to this, pause that shot to remind me. This was very interesting because, you know, I, there is a lot of controversy surrounding it because a lot of people have come out saying, like, the guy claiming he was his quarterback was the backup quarterback the entire time. Um, uh, his the, lawyer saying that – his second lawyer saying that the producers just outright lied to him, which yeah. I don't blame – I don't blame him because he definitely doesn't come out in the <laughs> – he definitely doesn't come out as a good guy in the movie. Well, he's also the lawyer that got Casey Anthony off. He was already hated. Um, but I, I yeah, okay, that's a whole nother discussion when we watch. Uh, yeah, I, I know, I know. I'm just saying most of America hated him before this documentary came out. Um, yes, that's true. And to my point that I was trying to say, I didn't even know that was his lawyer for the second trial. Like, yeah. good lord! Like, why did you not hire him for the first one? Honestly, yeah, like, the guy at the end where he's like that look on his face when he gets off for the double murder it, it, it is like, is he thinking I should have hired you for the first one? Um, well, but, that was so jarring at the end, especially I don't remember who said this. It may have been one of the DAs, but when the guy said that Aaron was emotionless when he got convicted, but at the double murder and he got uh, uh, he got he was proven innocent. He was crying and he was emotional. Like, I don't know. Well, something about that was really chilling to me too. Yeah, but um, the st- the stuff that you were talking about earlier about this is the face of a serial killer. I th- Aaron is one of the more disturbing cases in the serial killer documentaries I've seen, or the murderer documentaries I've seen. Just because oh, do do explain. Just because not so much the crimes, the complete split from the two realities is really creepy. Because you don't think somebody could put up a front that harsh between professional life and personal life? It, dude, it's so creepy the way he does. Like when um when he's on the phone like because i think something i texted you while either watching this or having watched it i I ended up watching this twice um just because the second time i was like i just want something on for background noise and so i I, I, for just a couple hours so i i put on the documentary um again but something that really sticks out to me is like his tone and choice of words when he's talking to like 
his fiance, like and his daughter and his friends. There is no hint of someone that could be the least bit violent. Right. It just sounds like a a dumb whatever twenty three year old. Yeah. And then that dude murdered people. Like, I I think I told you, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with him just because I know he wouldn't say why he did it, but it's one of those ones where it's like, you'd have to trick him like OJ into like, okay, but if you did it. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is if, um, if you were to talk to him, could you at least get that angry side of him to come out? Because the only time you really hear it come out is when he talks to his mom. That's it. That's the only time you hear him, like, get mad. And I'm like, that's murder, Aaron. Right. Because, dude, there's there's a moment where his fiance is mad at him and... Like, for, not for no reason, but, like, he's literally in prison, and he called her to, like, improve his day, and she's just giving him crap from the moment she picks up the phone, and he's just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll call tomorrow, um, if you're gonna Wait, have which... an attitude today. Like, does it get mad in a justifiable time frame to get mad, but there's a, there's one time where he's screaming at his mom... Where I'm like, that's the Aaron that murders people. And it doesn't even sound like Aaron. That's the Aaron that had a drink spilled on him. And he lost his mind to the point that he drove up next to a guy and shot him in cold blood. I... I don't... I'm not... I'm not 100% no, I'm not, convinced I'm, that he killed those two guys. I'm not saying that I am either. I... I, I yes, really I, I based on what the documentary shows and I want to emphasize that based on what the documentary shows I think the gunrunner guy did it the documentary but, does but make, Aaron was the, in the car yeah the documentary doesn't exactly exonerate him either the documentary yeah. clearly wants us to believe that he almost killed one guy killed three people. And allegedly beat up at least one, if not multiple other people. Yeah. Can we talk about how bad a murderer he is? Oh, God. When the DA was talking about just how when he goes, sloppy he, the I love when the DA was, was like, this is one of the sloppiest murders that could have taken place. He He's like, first of all, Odin Lloyd is murdered in North Attleboro. The only people in North Attleboro that, that the victim knew was Aaron Hernandez and his fiance. And they're they like, hung out together. They're like, it's, and... it's in like a it's in like a quarry or a park, almost in Aaron's backyard. Aaron erases some of the surveillance tapes, but leaves some on there so that the that the uh, cops will have something to get from him when they get there. But he clearly didn't watch the tapes of what he was giving them because he's walking around with a damn gun. Oh, and then there's the footage of his fiance dragging out a giant trash bag, which obviously has like a some gun incriminating drop, evidence. Lock box. Right, and and then there's the fact that like it was known that Odin Lloyd was the blunt master, like yeah. <laughs> and 
And then they're like, oh yeah, they found a they found a blunt at the scene with some with their DNA on it. Uh, they, and Aaron Hernandez's handprint is on the window of the car, along yeah. with the bubblicious gum. Yeah. So the car was one of the more interesting things in this because they're like, yeah, it was a rental car. And then they kind of, then they talk about how in the double homicide there was, it was, uh, I think it's a forerunner, uh, SUV that was used in that one. And then they just parked it in the cousin's, uh, garage for, uh, for a while, like over a year and what that made me think of was uh, the the person that owned the car couldn't just outright afford to buy a new car, so Aaron was just renting cars for them. <laughs> I was like, that's so stupid. But, like, he returns the car, and they find shell casings and, like, gum and stuff like that in the car that ties Aaron to it. Like, it's it's a sloppy freaking murder. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they talk about, like, someone mentions, like, I don't even know if he realized he was, like, what world he was living in at that point. Like, dude, you, like, why didn't you drive the guy to, like, Vermont or, like, a different state or something? Why did you kill him next to your house when you're the only people in that area he would freaking know? Well, he found out he was gay, bruh. And he couldn't have that slip out. Like, well, that was the other thing. They never even really find out why he killed him. They never find a. They never find a murder weapon. They never find a motive. They're just Dude, like we wasn't... can. They're just like we can pinpoint him to the scene of the crime at the time it happened. Why did he kill him? We don't know, but it was so sloppy. We can one hundred percent prove he was friggin' there. Dude, the fact that this movie comes out. So many years after the fact, and, like, usually there's, like, a big revelation or, like, some sort of, like, post-mortem, like, this is how it actually happened. I, no, I think I this, think the only revelation this... in this since since uh, a couple years ago was the abatement thing getting changed. I think that was the only thing, because I remember when it, – it was shocking. It really was shocking when the news broke that Aaron Hernandez was dead. And the fact and that then, Massachusetts said he wasn't a murderer technically because yeah, of that. Yeah, and so so what happened was Aaron Hernandez wins the tr- wins the uh, double homicide trial and they they find him not guilty on any counts. So then he starts his appeal process for the murder, and uh, like. Two days after the, or a couple days after the trial ends for the double murder, uh, a reporter goes on goes out on a radio show and outs Aaron Hernandez for be for being either bisexual or gay. Um, oh my God! By the way, that was like the most classless and crass way to out somebody. By the way, yeah, oh dude, the God. way she was talking about it, I was like, you have to be kidding me, like. There's the no most, reason for you to be talking careless, about it. That was the most careless thing I've ever heard of a, of a reporter doing in my life. Since the Richard Jewell movie. Oh, oh, well, hold on. That was – I'm not saying she was 
as reckless as Olivia Wilde portrayed her in the movie, as per my no, no, no. I'm just, review, I'm just saying, but... I'm just saying, running with that story with no credi- with no credible proof. Oh, just was acting reckless. so careless. Just, yeah, so, oh, yeah, I heard he, Oh, yeah, I know he's gay. Just like, oh, my God. I mean, she said something yeah. way more crude than that, but... So, so Aaron, like, two days later, Aaron kills himself, and I, I was watching it with Kelsey. Kelsey had... It was funny watching this with Kelsey. Kelsey had, like, no knowledge on this. Like, she just knew, like, Aaron Hernandez so she, killed, like, one or two guys. Oh, so... Oh, I was gonna say, so she could have been on the jury. So, th- so this happened right before we started dating and so i knew all about this she knew nothing about it and when um we were watching this all the twists and turns are completely new to her and when he kills herself watch this movie to have watched this movie with her eyes honestly when when it got to the point where aaron kills himself she's like I hope they're proud of themselves or something like that, or you, they're terrible people or something like that. And I sat there and I was like, just wait. Because I remember when he killed himself, um, I was like, oh my God, what what is he doing? Like, what, why did he do that? That makes no sense. And then... Uh, the, spoiler someone, alert, the movie has no answer for that either, among... Tons of things this it's, movie has no answer no, for. No, it's it's very it's very well established. He did it for abatement because he started he started his um his appeal process, so the case was technically not closed. So then him killing himself, he's dead. He cannot participate in the appeal process. The case is just thrown out. Therefore, he's not guilty. Uh, and they can go after the New England Patriots for uh, improper termination, and then he can get all of his money back from his contract. Okay, so was that ending then? Okay, so maybe I must have missed this then. Was it's, the fact that the abatement ended up going back against Hernandez, and he was a convicted murderer after yes, all? Was that, that a clean cut for that, the Patriots? That was the big revelation. Was that the the state of Massachusetts changed the ruling for abatement, where they're like, "This is stupid. We got to get rid of this." Okay, so then we to, are to take away from that that it, it is implied that the Patriots were off the hook. Yeah, they are off the hook. They don't have to okay. pay him a dime. I because dude okay, in his so in must, his letter okay, to Cheyenne the... or Cheyenne or have you pronounce her name, he says you're rich. Okay, and then, so I'll, okay, and then I didn't put, there's I, that I thing. Didn't... It's People people in prison aren't totally stupid to the legal system. Like they they know a lot of technicalities, and that's a technicality that they that not only did do some prisoners know about people in his prison knew about. So you know I. I'm, well, for I'm pretty, to have I'm such pretty an sure law. I'm pretty sure it was a combination of him getting outed, but mostly him trying to set like there's there's no way he's getting out of the Odin Lloyd one. There is no way he's getting out of the Odin Lloyd murder. So well, his best I, thing if, to do is open the case back up and then die so that his so that the case is thrown out and his fiance can go after his money and his and after his death. To play devil's advocate, 
I can see where a lot of this could be called circumstantial. Like you've been saying in the documentary, I've been saying not much of this, if any of it, is provable outside of just he was uh, there outside of suspicion and circumstantial evidence like no technically there's very very little evidence in either case that he was the man whether he was there or not like i mean yes it's pretty definitive it's more definitive that he was there but whether he was the guy that actually did first degree versus second degree or accessory like yeah that's the biggest thing to take away from it is that he he was sloppy, but he also did enough. Kind of like Jameis Winston on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like, yes, you threw five thousand passing yards, but you also throw thirty three. I thought you were going to say, like, you know, the crab leg thing or the uh, sexual assaults. I didn't think you were going to be like, no, it's touchdowns and interceptions with Jameis Winston when comparing him to a criminal. We're already talking about something so dark. I wasn't going to go down that road. I just wanted to talk about his stats from this year. Good Lord. Like, <laughs> like, I just, to tie it back to, I guess, what I was saying before is that for a movie that, yes, waited until right now to tell the story, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I mean, counter argue me, is there a more definitive end to the story like, I mean, and maybe there is none, like, until we wait another, like, decade, maybe, but I, I I was disappointed that there was no real big revelation outside of Massachusetts chasing that law, and that there was nothing outside of just, like, again, like I said before, maybe he was gay, maybe he was CTE, maybe it was his mom, it's, like, it's, this what movie I think doesn't it is, have an it's, answer. It's, it's a story that we had a lot of questions and we got very little answers. And I think it was more of, we're going to try and just give you the information so that you can draw your own conclusions. Um, it, the lazy, lazy. I'm sorry. Lazy for a documentary. Just wait. There is no definitive answer, dude. Like if there's there's no definitive definitive answer, answer, would you rather the, if there's no definitive answer, would you rather the documentary lead you in a biased way to a conclusion that is not entirely true? I would rather the documentary like say that way more like I don't know. And, all, the way... and, and the other thing, dude, it it's just proof that it can't be things like this can't always be boiled down to like one specific thing. I'm not saying that it could it, have. Because what, like, it, what it is is it's a guy from with a troubled upbringing that has the biggest role model in his life pass away and move away. And after that, he starts getting in with a bad crowd. He then goes to a place where he finds out he can get away with pretty much anything. He uh, starts uh, trying to cover up who he really is. And then he gets, he gets drafted to a highly successful place... Uh, for his professional career that's highly successful and it's in the same area so he doesn't get away from the bad people he continues to make bad decisions and then we find out after he dies that he has one of the most advanced cases of cte that is distort which distorts his brain and thought process it's it's a stew and a melting pot of everything like 
just like I I agree with what this says where it's like people that say it's just CTE are wrong. There's no way that CT just CTE is why he became a murderer. Did it contribute? Possibly. Cause dude, his brain like I don't know. I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not the doctor from the Will Smith movie. I don't know CTE stuff that much other than you get a concussion, it screws a bunch of concussions, it screws up your brain and stuff. But when they put his brain next to a regular brain and they're like, hey, do you see how those two holes are much bigger because the brain is getting compressed and making big cavities? That's a problem. Right. I. But you pair, I, you pair that with someone that's already growing up in a very troubled and violent environment that is having trouble coming to grips with uh, a pretty big part of their life, their sexuality. You know, you pair, you couple all those things together, you have a guy that's going to have, uh, not outbursts, but a guy that's going to have erratic behavior and, and very random behavior. Mur- right, and, apparently, like- and apparently this murder wasn't very well thought out because it was done so sloppily. If it wanted to – you surmising it that way is a better way that this movie tried to. Like this movie just wanted to just be an inf- – it felt like this documentary was just kind of an information dump. Like again, yeah. a thesis. What is the thesis of this movie outside of Aaron Hernandez was a murderer? Okay, well – we already knew that. Like, what's something more interesting that you could bring to the table? Oh, well, I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay, well, is there a narrative? Is there a way that you could present all of this to really create the mind of Aaron Hernandez? Uh, let me write a screenplay that feels like a middle schooler's essay recap that he just copy pasted from Wikipedia. Will that count? Uh, sure. Here's a ten million dollar check from Netflix. Like let, I just let it. Let us put this out on our uh, our streaming service that's taken such a big hit because of Disney Plus. Right. Um, I just. I'm, I, not, I'm not saying that this story didn't deserve to be told. I'm not saying that this story like doesn't have the right pieces to it. I'm saying, and and like you recapping it, I've enjoyed you recapping the story better than Netflix did. I'm just saying that. This specific director didn't do a good job at telling the story in as compelling a way as I remember and you remember seeing it play out in real time. It didn't capture that kind of – it didn't capture that same feeling, and it just – it felt like it just kind of boiled it down to that kind of cookie-cutter, generic just kind of – well, he was a good boy until he wasn't, and it. But, and you said it. There, maybe this is the definitive answer that we don't know. That could just be the answer. But a part of me just wants to let this story age a little bit longer, like how you let wine age for more flavor and more of a satisfying drink. What if we didn't wait long enough to tell the story? Like, let me just ask that question. Like, ask me that question? Yeah, like, what if, I mean, I I mean, maybe there is no answer to that either. Like, no, n- no irony intended. But, like, 
was this enough time to wait until the story came out? Like, I feel like that's just going to be lingering in my mind. Like, I'm not expecting, a, like, a definitive answer. Like, I just I am worried I don't know about, how like... Much, I don't know how much more we're going to learn. Really? Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, maybe it's just one the of those... Only, the un- only, the only those thing that unknowns. we're really going to learn is uh, if any if the two guys that were with him talk or the fiance or the fiance talks and i'm going to be honest with you uh that fiance is never talking oh no i was <laughs> i was i was watching holy pat, crap I, that girl is loyal oh dude i was watching pat McAfee talk about this uh before you called me and because like isn't he's he like fr- she's like you want to talk about someone that's a ride or die that is a ride or die Oh, of course you watched it also. I should have assumed you did. No, I just <laughs> listen, I, I listened to his, his podcast. Um, I, okay. I I have a I I do have a question to kind of tie it all together. I so, swear to God, if it's who's Nick Cage in this movie? No, 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 no. This is do, this is this is a documentary. You know, it's it's different. We can't really cast people for a documentary, but. Um, I think Nick who, Cage who would, could have been. I think Nick Cage could have been Odin Lloyd's body under the red tarp. I, I would cast <laughs> Nick Cage. I would have cast Nick Cage to be just like the Aaron Hernandez and the dramatic recreations. Um, oh my God! Can I hold on before you ask the question? My last note. I by the way, their art, their artist for the recreations did a pretty damn good job with the tattoos. I absolutely hated not not the silhouette holding onto the phone like that's just whatever that's kind of again boilerplate for these movies. I the one shot in this movie I hated was the shot of the pistol and how obviously fake those bullets and those flares were coming out of the barrel in slow motion. Uh I uh, I didn't have a problem with it but to uh, my question no. Stop complaining. The, he, to my question. Ugh, fine. Stop complaining. To my question. Uh, so Rob Gronkowski got drafted uh, the same year. So yeah. that clip, that clip where they showed uh, him being interviewed for like ABC Sunday Morning or something like that. Oh yeah, when he just walks out. So. <sighs> I find it interesting how annoyed he was by that question, but they're they're always going to be paired together. Rob Gronkowski is a Hall of Famer. Oh, hands down, yeah. If if Aaron didn't do this and was still able to continue playing, would Aaron Hernandez have been a Hall of Famer? From the trajectory that he was on, yes, that's what I'm. But that that's what I'm getting at. Like if I he would say, have conti- if he would have continued performing at the level he was at, and and like didn't end up missing a ton of his career because he murdered people. My my friend Ryan, my my friend Ryan that you haven't met, um, ride or die hardcore Patriots fan. We actually talked about this movie while I was watching it. Um, shout to shout out to Ryan. I'm not gonna say your last name on mic. Um, <laughs> um, I would I would like to hear his take on this, especially after what I'm about to say. I from what I gathered and remember from Aaron Hernandez at the time, 
I wouldn't necessarily say Hall of Fame. Maybe the Patriots Ring of Honor at the most, but I I think he would be a fringe Hall of Famer. Like I I don't think it'd be his first ballot. I think it would take a couple. Okay, I would need to know the evidence. Like again, like I don't follow the Patriots that closely, but I that's I why just I'm remember that, when like, he was in the, the league. Ring of Honor it was the most when when he was in the league. It was terrifying to play the Patriots because you're going to line up against him and Gronk. And but was he Gronk, as Gronk, Gronk was as so Gronk. physical you'd have to double team people up, and Aaron would have gotten so many more balls. But like his that... catch numbers would be up, his touchdown numbers would be up, his yards would be up. So but I would, I think I think he fame, would be would Hall of Fame voters consider that versus like his actual natural ability. That'd be the big question. I don't know, but I I think he would be, but I think he's a fringe Hall of Famer if he doesn't murder people. Right. And, and I'm just in the And so, something something that the movie or the the series does very well is from the beginning it, it gets its tone across very well of this is going to be sad because this is a this is a story of how humanity failed in a human being. Because as that's bad another, of a per- as a... a bad as bad of a person as he is, it starts and ends with him talking to his daughter, and it's and it just sounds like a dad on like a month long business trip, and it's like no, this guy murdered people, got convicted, went to jail, and then killed himself in jail. Yeah. I, I'm sorry I didn't like this as much as you did. I just, it is a compelling story, but I just don't think this movie works quite as well as you do. I'm glad you liked it though. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not, it's not, you know, some kind of monster. It's, it's incredibly flawed, but I still got entertainment value out of it, and I saw a lot more good in it than bad. Um, so that's why I gave it a full pan. I I don't know. Maybe maybe Made in America ruined me for sports documentaries, but I I'll say the nostalgia factor of remembering this play out in real time even though yes, the there's certain revelations that I forgot about, but I just I don't know. I it just reminded me why I don't watch serial killer documentaries. I just they're not my cup of tea, I guess at the end of the day. I just I don't find enough originality to spend time with them, I guess. I Says the guy I, that loved the Jeffrey Dahmer. Or not Jeffrey Dahmer. Ted Bundy thing. I actually only watched part one of that. I didn't watch the rest no, of no, it. No, 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 no. I'm talking about... I'm talking about the movie. Well, there's a big difference. And I'll... I've Well, okay, since we're going to bring it up, and I'll, I'll close it out with this since we're already over an hour... I, when it comes to a personal story, like about a specific criminal, I like a dramatization that allows an actor to try to create a character and expand their range in terms of that kind of uh, emulation of uh, trying to become somebody else. I find that fascinating in terms of performing arts. 
And I think that is a great experiment for a writer and a director to tell the story through someone who may not be empathetic, but allow them to become empathetic. Like that kind of emotional manipulation and thought provocation, I think is fantastic in terms of dramatizing a specific criminal. When it comes to a bigger, broader social issue or a law or something outside of a singular person, like just mercy, where it's more than just about one specific person, that's when I find a documentary to be more compelling because you can bring in so many different people, have them all say their testimonials, and paint a broader picture about the world in whatever country, whatever county, whatever city, whatever specific location – that becomes its own character painted by the people who are actually there to tell this story about how this happened or that happened. Like, it's a macro-micro kind of sense. Like, the more micro the story is, the more I like it being dramatized, to make a bigger point. But the more macro the story is, that's when I would rather have the whole world sit in front of the camera and you make, like... When the levees broke by Spike Lee or OJ made in America. Like, I mean, does that make sense at all? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I guess with that then, I mean, unless you have anything else to add, I know I just kind of went on a tirade there, but, um, uh, not really. All right. Then with that, let's take a very brief break. And then we will be back from our trip into the time machine to 2007, and we will be talking about the Nicolas Cage superhero film, Ghost Rider. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This week for the time machine, it was my pick. And I decided that we needed to bring Nicolas Cage back into the show. We talk about Nicolas Cage. Our <laughs> motorcycle and a flaming skull. Well, well, don't spoil what it is already. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I decided to it's bring national him. treasure. <laughs> My leather jacket has, is is lined with the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Well, if you can't I'm pick up what... my jacket and wear it like a badass. <laughs> if you haven't picked up what we already watched, um, especially because it's already in the title, I just realized. Um, <laughs> we went to 2000... Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah. We went to 2007 and we watched Ghost Rider. Uh, I had been uh, wanting to do movies I hadn't seen before for January and... That on top of – we hadn't had a Nick Cage movie since the summer with Con Air, so I wanted to watch Nick Cage play a superhero. So that's where Ghost Rider comes in. So <laughs> the film came out, like I said, in 2007, and it was brought to us by director and writer Mark Steven Johnson, who uh, – guess what he is best known for, Nick? Uh, Debbie Does Dallas. Uh, he was a writer on Grumpy Old Men, and he was a writer and director on the Ben Affleck superhero film Daredevil. Oh, that's a good resume right there, Daredevil. 
Exactly, right? Like, <laughs> and I, it shouldn't surprise you at all that he's only directed nine movies um, <laughs> in his entire career. So, um, but anyway, uh, this film stars, as we said, Nicolas Cage. It also stars Ava Mendes, Sam Elliott, uh, Peter Fonda, of all people, and uh, Donald... Uh, don't know long i'm sorry if i butchered your name uh is that the he, redheaded guy that's like his pit crew boss guy yeah he also starred in uh gotham famously Fox. from grounded for life yes one of the uh, greatest yeah. and most underrated sitcoms of all time yes grounded for life gotham yes he was in this movie and i know i butchered his name so sue me um this also starred uh brett cullen who we just saw play uh thomas wayne and joker he's just one of those character actors that pops up here and there and tons of stuff. But, uh, but Wait, yeah. Who is he in this movie? He was his dad, uh, in the first, uh, like 10 minutes wow, of the he movie. Got fat for Joker. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I like that. That's coming the very from, first... coming from super in shape. Me. I like that. That's the first thing you go to, not just, Oh wait, he was Thomas Wayne. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no fatty, fat, fat. <laughs> uh the girls are <laughs> nelson's gonna pull down your pants and the girls think you're fat um. <laughs> what, what you don't see is a behind the scenes featurette where he's like you don't know this but in 15 years <laughs> no in 13 years i gotta play a guy that's like 30 pounds over here so he's just like mainlining gravy God. And then he punches and he punches Joaquin Phoenix in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he he goes up to he goes up to uh, Joaquin Phoenix and he's just like, "Hey, just so you know, I bleed gravy." <laughs> <laughs> You're making him sound like he looks like Gabriel Iglesias in the movie. That's not. That hey, bad. don't attack Fluffy. I'm not attacking Fluffy. I'm just saying you think Thomas Fluffy, Wayne. Fluffy, like... <laughs> Fluffy does not deserve any criticism for this movie, but the guy that gained maybe 15 to 20 pounds in between now and Joker deserves to be taken down a notch socially. Okay, fine. You're making him sound like Peter Griffin. Like, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets shot, for Christ's sake. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and in this movie in this movie he literally gets set on fire like calm down like <laughs> he gets he gets set on fire with cancer <laughs> cancer fire oh my god <laughs> god what a weird road we just went down um <laughs> is that is that what he has is it cancer i can't i, I know it's he's dying is it cancer uh, it's yeah, cancer. it's cancer because he's smoking all the time, right? Yeah, and um, younger Nick Cage hears um, – or no, Nick Cage reads the uh, the letter from the hospital that <laughs> Nick, says that your Nick, tumor's grown. Nick, Nick Cage reads an eviction notice of his dad. Your dad oh is God. being evicted from your life because he has cancer. <laughs> God. That's how that letter is like – by the way – who gets that letter and then lightly crumples it up and throws it in the trash? Like God, he and you he doesn't you, he doesn't crumple it into a wad. He's just like, Ugh, and then tosses it away. 
You you said my doctors in Alabama joke was bad. Good lord! Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to you want to talk about the actual movie now? Like, <laughs> I just think of doctors in Alabama giving people eviction notice diagnosis letters in trash cans. Oh my God. <laughs> like, like they just they just walk up to their house and just like set the trash can on their porch and walk away. Oh my, oh my God. I have nothing to add to that. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark. <laughs> so anyway, Ghost Rider. It's darker um, than anything in this movie. Yeah, I let's use that as a segue. Um, <laughs> so I guess my boilerplate thoughts on the movie, um, and as we've talked about, we're recording this episode crazy late. Um, <laughs> y'all, y'all can blame me for that. Well, me too. I was also on the road. Um, so I... Yeah, except you're not the one that was like, we need to make sure we record the, the week leading up to it. And then the one time we had a chance to record went, actually, do you mind if I just watch the national championship game with my dad? Yeah, while I'm watching this I, movie. I found a letter in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I did not. Yeah, well, it's true. While I'm watching Ghost Rider, yeah, let's record this later. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I asked if we could record it later so I could watch the national championship, and I think I fell asleep 20 minutes after sending that text. Yeah, and I was literally in the last 10 minutes of Ghost Rider, all jazzed up, ready to go. Dan's um. <laughs> <laughs> like, yay! Aww. Yeah, so now eight days later, well, longer for you guys listening. Um. 28 days later. <laughs> Oh, we should watch that for the time machine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So anyway, Ghost Rider, uh, since I've had a lot more time than usual to fester on this, um, I, I I, don't hate this movie. Like, I I went into it just assuming I was going to have a laugh and this movie was going to be terrible and I was going to watch Nick Cage just be Nick Cage and just enjoy that. And to that degree, I did. Like... This is a goofier Nick Cage role, but there's this weird kind of passion behind it that I I read about that Nick Cage really wanted to do this movie, and man, like I'm going to borrow a phrase that you taught me. He got Apple jacked for this movie. He really <laughs> – he was really committed to this role physically, and I could tell that like – I could see something just in the uh, – in the emotions that he had in the role that he really cared about this. And, um, it's, it's, it's weird. Like the one thing that I took away from this more than anything was that it felt like Sony who made and distributed this film, they approach this movie the same way that they approach Spider-Man. Like it really, to me felt like, okay, Sam Raimi hit a home run with Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, used the property of Ghost Rider, which is way more dark and way more sinister, but make Spider-Man again. Like, because this movie has an insane amount of ridiculous editing, uh, a very bright kind of palette in terms of the cinematography, but it still wants to be Ghost Rider. It still wants to tell a dark story, but... I couldn't help but think that this movie also just wanted to be kind of fun and breezy like Spider-Man was. So it's like 
it looked at Spider-Man but didn't actually watch Spider-Man and was just like, oh, let's just take the visual aesthetics – Let's take the it visual is, aesthetics, it is like but what then the do this movie. EU was for way too long, where they're like, everything's got to be dark and gritty, and someone went, that doesn't really fit the tone, and they're like, make it dark and gritty. Except this one's, hey, everything's got to be lighthearted and comical, but uh, it's about a guy with his head literally on fire who got his powers from Satan. Like, <laughs> but it, but it gets the early Sony Spider-Man treatment where they're like, uh, we can't make this dark and uh, gritty like the comic book probably is. They're like, we got to make it like Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. It's like, it doesn't really fit with what the tone should be. And they're like, funny jokes and... Uh, uh, subjectively funny. Let's... characters <laughs> who eat jelly beans out of martini glasses while watching videos of monkeys. Oh my... <laughs> I was gonna bring okay. I was gonna bring that up later, but uh, let me. I'll finish my I thoughts. I think my favorite out of out of all the conversation me and you me and you have had about this movie, I think my favorite was my initial text to you where I was like, "Who the hell eats jelly beans like Nicolas Cage?" And I gave you no context, and you just sent back, "What are you talking about?" Oh my god! When I I knew immediately what you were talking about the second that popped up on screen so i'm okay so i paused the movie i'm dying laughing looking at him using this martini glass to eat jelly beans and then i hit play and it's when his uh pit crew head turns the tv off and he's just like how dare you turn off my documentary about monkeys like <laughs> don't ever so turn I off the don't ever turn off about the thing about mongolian spider monkeys so, so I pause the movie again, and I'm just dying laughing, and I text Nick, what is this guy's obsession with monkeys? Because we Wait, earlier... did watch a monkey thing on the bus? Yeah, because literally like less than five... Like the first ten minutes, they're like, he's obsessed with monkeys. Less than five minutes before that, they're on the bus, and they're flipping the channels, and they flip past a monkey documentary, and he's like, oh, hey, Discovery Channel, name drop... Uh, is playing a documentary about monkeys. And I'm like, what is this dude's obsession with monkeys? <laughs> like, what's well, the payoff at, for this? At that, at that time frame, Discovery Channel really was only playing things that were either American Chopper, uh, or American Hot Rod, or things about monkeys. No, or Mythbusters. <laughs> yeah, Mythbusters too, yeah. Yeah, so like, I kind of wanted there to be a payoff with that, and then there's no payoff. Like, he's it's just a weird personality quirk that Ghost Rider is haunted by his dad's traumatic death, him selling his soul to Satan, so he has to ditch the love of his life, and he's obsessed with monkeys. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so oh, – that was so weird. Um, But yeah, anyway, the – I guess to finish my hot take on it, I mean, uh, back to uh, what I was saying, I – I, d I don't hate this movie. Like, honestly, after the first, like, 20, 30 minutes of just some of the most insane editing we've seen on the show so far, <laughs> like, it is cartoonishly over the top and distracting. Like, the whole origin kind of, like, setup to now we finally have Nick Cage uh, in the movie. And then the f film finally focuses in on what it wants to be. Like,. Yeah, it's a dark character, but it's it kind of has fun, even though the writing is really dumb. Um, it's predictable, but none of the action is staged that badly. The visual effects have aged wonderfully, I think, for 
what a uh, 13 year old CGI like I think the CGI honestly looks pretty good and I, I I'd be lying if I didn't say I had fun with the latter half of the movie uh yeah it's a over-the-top Nick Cage performance but it's not it fits with the movie it's not a memorably bad performance even though it's not a great performance either like yeah uh, it's it's kind of what I wanted Hellboy to be like obviously like Hellboy didn't have that uh, Guillermo del Toro touch directing from behind the scenes, but I wanted Hellboy to be fun, and Hellboy was just a headache and just a mess to sit through. Ghost Rider was at least focused with its dumb script. Like, it had a, uh, a start, a middle, an end. It didn't have too much exposition. It knew what the plot was with, oh, I have this bounty hunter coming after me, and then Satan comes up and is like, you can pay off your debt if you kill this bounty hunter on my behalf, who happens to be my son, because, of course, the laziest trope in this movie is the whole dynamic between Satan and his son, and his son re uh, resents him and wants to be the new Satan, but he's got to take out Ghost Rider. Like, I – whatever. But at the end of the day, I kind of had fun watching it. This movie was not near as bad as I expected. So what would you give it as a rating? If we tape that night, or if we tape that night, I'd probably feel way more negative about it, because I, I definitely was, like, there were positives, like I was just saying, but since we've taped later, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bit more kind and like, oh, I guess I did like that a little bit more than I thought initially. I'm going to give it a half pan, like... Really, it's just the first 30 minutes of this movie I really can't stand, but the the rest of the hour-plus runtime, I kind of had fun with it. So I'm just going to split the difference. I'm going to give it a half pan. Not a bad movie. There's way worse things that you could watch for two hours, but um, I mean, I mean, don't expect anything Oscar-worthy or anything. Interesting. I... I think I'd probably just give it a single brownie. Really? Um, yeah, I, I found myself really bored with a lot of the movie. Uh, the, ridicul the ridiculous stuff is ridiculous and very entertaining. The problem is there's a bunch of time in between those times. Um, so, yeah, I I found myself just bored through a lot of it. There's There is crazy stuff that keeps me entertained. I... It's got uh, a lot of Nick Cage freakouts in it. So, that being said, it's it, when it's entertaining, it's very entertaining. The problem is there's just a lot of lulls in it. So, I, I would just give it, uh, like, yeah, I would just give it the... Uh, the single single brownie it's not it's not as good as it could be honestly oh oh lord no 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 this movie could have definitely been better but like like i was saying when this movie got focused in on um the actual plot of the movie like i i only thought it really lulled in the very beginning which is kind of ironic because the editing is so damn frenetic and insane and just like 
there is no subtle imagery in this movie, by the way. Just this is throughout. Like when young Nick Cage first meets Satan and they feel the need to add a shot where he walks by a dark spot, but there's a spotlight on him. So there's a shadow silhouette. And when the lightning flashes, his shadow silhouette is like it looks like Krampus kind of like with the horns and the hunchback. And it was like, OK, movie, we already kind of got that this guy was the devil. Like, thanks for the confirmation. Like, <laughs> but then um, yeah, they've, they've got the devil in it and they're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, but this one guy's like even more evil. What's his name? His name's Blackheart. Right. Okay, fan fiction. That guy's not not that scary of a name. Well, what what's worse is when he gets all the souls. Oh, what what is he then? His name's Legion. Oh my God, no! I I texted you this while I was watching the movie. No, there is one what was Legion. The movie a couple weeks ago where I said, can we stop naming everything that's supposed to be evil Legion that is laughably not evil? Oh oh oh! What was that? I'm uh oh oh no! That was uh as above so below. Yeah, that was uh. Because, of course, Legion popped up there, too. But I will say definitively right here, no, Legion is only the X-Men character who is the son of Professor Xavier and that show on FX about him played by Dan Stevenson is the definitive Legion in my book. Fight me. Go on Hulu and watch that show because FX is now so on I'm Hulu. show up at your house and just hit you with a phone book. I, <laughs> I know this is a podcast about movies, but if you guys have time to watch TV shows in between the movies that you're following with us because you're great listeners, go to Hulu and watch Legion. It's a phenomenal show, and it doesn't even matter that it got canceled after three seasons. It was a perfect three seasons. I don't think I ever saw it. Well, you need to join the listeners and go to FX and watch Legion because it was – I Phenomenal. don't have that much time. I know. That's why this is a movie podcast and not a TV show podcast. Like, <laughs> But you should definitely still watch it. Uh, watch it before Ghost Rider because it's way better than Ghost Rider. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, anyway. Did I ever tell you the story of when I, I, I tried to see this movie for the first time? Oh, uh, I think you brought it up before we went on our travels. Uh, remind me, though. So, I could be getting this mixed up with another movie, but Wild Hogs came out around the same time as this movie, right? Oh, yep, nope, I, I remember this story now. I mean, let, let the listeners know, but yes, no, we did text about this. So, the I think the first time I went to go see this, I, w I went with my friend Josh, uh, it was uh, like 7th or 8th grade, we went to go see this movie. Or Wild Hogs. And when we got there, the movie was sold out for some reason, which makes me think it was Ghost Rider because it's a comic book movie that has, like, fans. So what I think happened is, is I think I went to go see Ghost Rider and then ended up seeing Wild Hogs. And then a while later, I saw Ghost Rider. Or, <laughs> were, or were you vice versa. <laughs> Were you confused when Tim Allen's head didn't catch on fire and the movie wasn't funny and you're like, I don't think this is Ghost Rider. And John Travolta's in there. Just oh, in that's general. right. I'm like, why oh, is John Travolta in a movie? It's 2004. Shouldn't he be dead of a cocaine overdose? Oh, God. Or and just someone's like, no, that's John Belushi. <laughs> 
Who hold on, who else was in that movie? It was it was Tim Allen. Uh, the guy and... from Bad Boys was in it. Oh, Martin uh Martin Lawrence Martin and then Lawrence. Yeah, it was, t- it was Tim Allen, Martin Lawrence, John Travolta and William H. Macy. Uh the guy from Jurassic World Jurassic Park three. I was gonna say Fargo, but sure. Um <laughs> Okay, yeah, Fargo, yeah, but it that guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the fourth one, yeah. Yeah. That movie sucked. I Dude, I don't remember anything about it other than it's a bunch of guys in their 40s having a midlife crisis and they show up in this town and then there's a gang and they don't like that the gang is oppressing the people of this town. So then they decide to fight back for a bunch of people they don't know and motorcycles are involved. That's more than I remember of this movie, other than I just generally kind of remember not enjoying the movie, not thinking it was funny at all. Like, Martin Lawrence rides around, and he and he's like, my penis doesn't work, and my wife won't have sex with me. And bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? And then I pretend to be Mike Lowry. God, man. And then, and then Tim Allen looks at him and is like, uh, we were... More power. He was just like, uh, we were stopping at, I was asking you if you just wanted a snack while we fill up on gas. Like, <laughs> I want to know if you wanted Twinkies. Did you have a stroke? <laughs> and then Boots is over there. It's like, <laughs> and then Boots is like, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he says. He doesn't say it anymore. He's like, Martin, what? Oh, ah, ah. And then he, like, takes a dump on the floor. <laughs> and then gets attacked while he's trying to bury it. <laughs> and then Nicholas Cage shows up, and he's like, what the hell does this got to do with a skull being on fire, motorcycle riding guy? I was going to say, let's... One, th- one thing I do want to point out about Ghost Rider that... I, I don't know if I, I'd say remake. Maybe a remaster of this movie would be interesting. The special effects don't hold up well. But a lot of the designs in the movie are cool. Like, well, hold on. Well, I I already said that I thought they held up well. What doesn't hold up well for you with the visual effects? The flames look really fake. Oh, th- I I'm gonna. Well, I will. I will agree like, with the, only the skull, the skull. I I. It, it's not so much that the skull itself didn't hold up. I just would with the amount of detail we can get with computers now. I do think it'd be nice to see a more realistic skull, but there's a lot of times where he's driving and like that that trail of flame that goes behind his motorcycle looks fake to me, and then a lot of the flames like on him look fake. Um, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think like a remake is all that. It, it, I mean, it'd be nice to get a remake that way they can get like an actual good representation of the comic book because I didn't read it, but. I'm just assuming based on how this looks like Spider-Man and the fact it's about a ghost soul collector for the devil. Um, I figured, and the guy's uh, a skeleton that catches on fire while riding a motorcycle that also catches on fire. I kind of figured that it's probably darker than Spider-Man. Well, yeah, for sure. But... um, (laughs) So a remake would be good, but I just think it'd be nice to see this specific movie get remastered. Like, George Lucas, stop working on the original Star Warses. 
do this one. Well, to that point, I don't need to hear Darth I, Vader say no when he throws Emperor Palpatine down the down the shaft in uh, the second Death Star. But you know what I do need is realistic flames on Ghost Rider. I don't think this movie is worth Sony's time for a remaster. But I. Well, what else are they gonna do? Well, Make they're gonna cell phone. No one's gonna buy. Uh, continually tick off Disney for not giving them Spider Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I'll contend I – yeah, obviously our technology is better now, but I I think that give, – I think the movie still holds up fine. Like, yes, there's a pretty harsh, obvious cutoff from like uh, the collar of the jacket and like the cutoff of the sleeves to the flames and the skull hands, but – I think for well, no, no 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 it's it's not that like the flames themselves look digital to me it's not so much that it's like oh I can see a cutoff line it it just they well they yes they miss, look digital they're missing like that extra like tenth of of detail well yeah they obviously they look CGI but given like I kept having that moment where I'm just like it wasn't as big a moment as like the cgi in uh episode three of star wars like that cgi holds up better than this cgi does but at the same time like they came out um, around the same time right 2005 and seven uh, yeah, pretty close so i i've noticed that sony especially likes to be ahead of the curb when it comes to like they were the first studio to really embrace Blu-ray, for example, and they always <laughs> and if, and if you're questioning if they did buy a Sony Blu-ray, ever, right? They still they still have that. Oh my God, look at the magnificent detail of Blu-ray in 2020. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they they so but what I'm getting at is they like to tout themselves as like. The leaders of like visual effects, uh, immersion, crystal clear picture Gemini and sound. Man? Yes, Sony did Gemini or no Paramount. I, I uh, if I remember right, I think Paramount did Gemini Man. But I mean, I might be wrong. I don't remember offhand. I could. I think it was Paramount though. But um, so it's not surprising to me. Like I kind of remember seeing like sizzle reels of like sony on blu-ray and like ghost rider would show up but again like given i had to keep reminding myself oh yeah this movie came out in 2007 even now 13 years later the it's not bad cgi like yes it's dated but say it was bad or horrendous i i just think with what we can achieve with computers, it'd be nice to see it redone and, and taken to a level that is more believable looking. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Like, um, I didn't watch. Oh, oh, since you said that, Agent, uh, Agents of Shield. The second one of this, right? Isn't the doesn't the second one's like uh, visual effects? Aren't they actually slightly like more impressive? Uh, Spirit of Vengeance is the sequel. Um, I want to say it came out in 2010. I might be wrong, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know how different the movie is. But all I remember is that Nick Cage started it, and apparently it's more violent. But I I can't say definitively. But I I want to say that um, 
Nick uh, Cage is punching people while dressed up as a flaming skull in a bear suit. <laughs> oh god. Oh oh my god, that would have been great. Only like, you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> only. Or no, if you want to stay, if you want to stay in tune with Wicker Man, only you can prevent misogyny. Like. <laughs> <laughs> only you can prevent murder. Only you can prevent bees. They're in my eyes. Ah. Can you imagine in this movie a bee flies in his eye and it's just a giant gaping hole so it like flies out the other eye or out of his out of his nose? Oh, bees! They're in my sinus cavity. This was like, what is happening? Dude, what if he held on to that guy uh, that he pinned against the wall and was like, look into my eyes, and then bees just came out of his skull, like flaming bees came out of his skull. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, what's the movie where the guy shoots locusts as, like, his superpower? Uh, are you talking about The Mummy? Green Mile. Oh! What was the mouse's name? Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Biscuit? Mr. Whiskers? Shoot. Mr. Listeners, Biscuit. Was it Biscuit? I don't know. I just really want biscuits. <laughs> No, was it? I don't know. Listeners, let us know what the mouse of the Green Mile was. I can't remember his name. Um, but uh, Mark Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> are you bringing that? Are you bringing that up as an apology for us cutting uh, Bad Boys for Life? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Oh God. What? Uh, hold on. What about Ghost Rider? Were we talking about? Um. Oh. Uh, <laughs> How big was this tangent? Dan forgot the point. Well, no, I forgot if I was trying to make a bigger point of his superpower when he was holding the guy and, like, made him see lit the literal his, pit of hell with spirits his, his pen, screaming at him. Stare. That's it, the pennant stare. He was – was that supposed to be him looking back at his entire life or was that supposed no, to be so, warning so, him of the damnation so of when hell? He, when, he grabs, when he grabs that first guy, he's, he's like, your soul is stained with the blood of the innocent. Which, by the way, if you're trying to figure out what to say to your girl on Valentine's Day, that, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> your soul is stained with the blood of the innocent. Oh, I love you, Tom. Um, and it's going to be this weird collage of people I don't know screaming. Why she like she's on, I don't know why she's from the 50s and sounds like she's on helium. Um, <laughs> but, uh... No, so so his penance stare was, uh, he he's like you know, uh, your soul stained with the blood of the innocent. Uh, look into my eyes, and it's supposed to be, uh, like when they always say like when you go to when you die and go to heaven, you basically uh see your life with God, and he ju and he passes judgment on you, and it's it's kind of similar to that where, uh, he is he is basically. Uh, condemning them uh, for all their bad actions, and he's just showing them the terrible things they've done in life. That's why with with uh, with Blackheart or Legion or whatever the guy's name is, I'm gonna call him Black. You're just gonna call him uh, Black? <laughs> no, I was trying to think of a name. I actually I didn't get past the first word. I was gonna call him uh, uh, Mike Lowry. <laughs> Mike Lowry. <laughs> no, call, call him, call him Blackheart Lowry. 
Um, <laughs> yes, I'll I'll accept. Yes. Blackheart Lowry. Um, but uh, when he's staring at that guy, um, or when he when he's when he's staring at Blackheart, Blackheart technically doesn't have a soul, so therefore nothing is stained on there. So then Blackheart's like, you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna absorb a thousand souls while fighting the guy whose main superpower is predicated on damning my soul. Right. <laughs> that's like going, that's like, that's like going, you know, I'm, I like on it. Okay. This is going to be weird. Uh, it's like in Pokemon, <laughs> like being like, I only, I have a fire Pokemon and we're in the middle of the desert. But what I think is best is to move to the ocean right like maybe it's maybe he was thinking it would be like a gluttony kind of ironic punishment where it's like you want my soul how about a thousand souls like (laughs) and then homer just keeps eating the donuts right (laughs) uh well speaking of him by the way and like his uh no pun intended his legion of followers or whatever they were i Dude, I they were such crap. They all played like bosses in a in a video game, and you fight them. And then like the way the way they get beat is like the cutscene in the video game where it's like, oh, this guy's weakness is wind, and this guy's weakness is being lit on fire, and then this one this other guy's weakness is air. It took, there was, hold on, there was, first off, no development for any of them, like, any purpose for him to, like, it's never explained how he, well, yes, he is the son of Satan, but how is that related to collecting this group of, like, like the Knights of Kylo in episode 9, or Ren, the Knights of Ren, and does it matter that they all are like Avatar The Last Airbender where they all control a certain element? No. It's just kind of cool for the sake of cool. Is there any story about how they ended up joining him? Nah. He just has henchmen because bad guy. And do any of them put up a fight? But when when he's introduced, he is walking through the desert and then goes, to the camera for absolutely nobody. Oh, yeah. Just because jump scare. Like, (laughs) honestly, like... that's how he farts. (laughs) <laughs> oh was, shit it was bean burrito day in hail and he's just walking around and he's just like i gotta rip ass and then he's like bah! he's like all right i'm done and then the guy next to him in the stall's just like dude are you okay yeah sorry man sorry about that and then um, he's just like who does number two work for and he kills the guy and he drops his lucky charms <laughs> but but yeah just I, I i said i like the second half or i guess two-thirds of this movie really but like Honestly, everything about Blackheart and his minions were just so lazily written, dude. They were the uh oh, they yeah. were terrible. Like, dude, it's it's the son of the devil and he's supposedly like eviler than the devil and it's so bad he doesn't even deserve proper grammar. He's but, so bad he doesn't even have to have a reason. It's just I want to have the power my dad has and like he, he's just he's literally uh like Every movie where this family business is going to be inherited by a son, and the son's like, I don't want the legacy my dad has. This is Inception. Hmm. Interesting. 
I didn't. Nicholas hmm. Nicholas Cage shows. What if Nicholas Cage was in Inception and Leonardo DiCaprio was in this as Ghost Rider? Oh my God, Nick Cage in Inception. I I want that. Bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> whoever deep, whoever knows how to deep fake, please put Nick Cage's face on Leo for snippets of Inception. I will pay you who, to do that. Who would you cast Nick Cage to be in this movie? Keeping Nick Cage as Ghost Rider, like there's just two Nick Cages. I wouldn't want to see him fight himself. I wouldn't want to see him be Blackheart, or I would want him to be. Um, well, because we have the younger actor who's obviously not Nick Cage. What if Nick Cage was his dad for he the first half hour of this like, movie? I look at him like, well, I look at him like, I mean, I kind of see Nick Cage, but the younger Eva Mendes, I'm like, I think that has to be her daughter with how much she looks like Eva Mendes. Oh, dude, I noticed that too. Like immediately, that was my first thought. Was like, well, damn, they did a good job casting yeah, younger like, Eva Mendes. Like she's she is so similar looking to Eva Mendes. I was like, wow, what was digital de aging technology like back then? I was like, it didn't exist. Can we talk about her for a minute though? Since I, I we haven't no, really talked I have about to Ava. The question. Oh right, a- answer that question. Then we gotta talk about Ava Mendes in this movie since we haven't yet. Fun fact. I would cast Nick Cage to be Ava Mendez in this movie. Oh. <laughs> like, hold on. Would you, would it kiss be... Me. Kiss me, May! <laughs> okay. I either get to believe you and walk you to the closest psych ward, or I don't believe you and I just walk away. Like... <laughs> this yeah, is Nick... That, that's who I would cast Nick Cage to be is... Uh, this, is Nic- love interest. this is Nick. This is Nicholas Cage with Channel Six reporting. <laughs> he ki- he kisses him. It's technically masturbation. Uh, oh, ooh, would that? No, that would be. I don't know what that would be because that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I broke Dan. I yep. Uh, so anyway, Ava Mendes. Um, <laughs> do you have any <laughs> thought? Do you have any thoughts on her in this movie? Like I. There wasn't really, like, I thought there was, God, I, I don't really have that much thoughts about her in this movie. Like, outside of that, she was clearly cast for sex appeal. Like, there well, wasn't. I, I was going to say, this was back at the time where Eva Mendez was cast in everything back then because she was the stereotypical, uh, like, hot love interest that everyone would find attractive that would be mildly entertaining. And interesting for all audiences. She's honestly not given much to do, and it's a shame because I mean I've seen her in some good roles, like. But she's it's very. She's honestly pretty good in Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, she is kind of the bright spot of that movie. Uh, the other guys, she is hilarious. Oh my god, her and Will Ferrell's chemistry is on point in that movie. It is hysterical. Yeah. I so she. I guess it was just a paycheck role for her, I w- or I would assume it's a paycheck role for her because, like, I, she no, because I don't, I don't see her phoning in a performance. I just see a very underdeveloped character. I literally just see like. Well, that's why I feel bad for her. Like, comes, it's... she just comes across as like as them going, "All right, we need a piece of ass for Nicolas Cage to ogle." And that's a shame though, because she's so much better than that. But I guess back in the time, like. 
hey, you're pretty, wear this low-cut dress and wear this uh, white-collared T-shirt, but just forget to button the that button right there. Okay, perfect. Like, And it's also going to rain. Oh, oh yeah. Like, there's that's all she's asked to do in this movie, and it's a shame. Like, because she's so much better than this. And, like, I, I mean, there's a glimmer of her commitment, kind of like there's a glimmer of Nick Cage's commitment to this role, but it's just, I mean, she's way more, way more wasted than Nick Cage is. Like, because uh, yeah. Nick Cage actually has a character arc. She kind of doesn't. She just gets speaking, drunk. Speaking she of, gets. Speaking she, of. Speaking of memorable moments with Nick Cage and Eva Mendez, can we talk about the funniest line in the movie, which is when Nick Cage is on the rooftop of that one building, he lassos the helicopter, and he's pulling it closer to him, and he's like, you're pissing me off. It's like, oh, dude, I died laughing at that. And it's not because the he said... the funniest line in the movie, and it, it's, and it it's, makes no sense. It's not like, because he says why that. Why would you just say that? Hold on, it's not just because he says that. It's because somehow the pilot heard him and he went, oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> so, so have you ever been around a helicopter with the propellers running? No, but I know that it is inaudible to hear anything within like 10 so, or, or within like 50 feet of the helicopter. So one of the jo- one of the rental branches I used to work at was at a small like municipal airport and uh there was a helicopter landing pad very close to our office and i can tell you from so much experience when a helicopter is approaching or landing or taking off you can't hear a damn thing so the fact that nicholas cage just goes you're pissing me off that loud and the guy in the helicopter's like, okay, sorry, bye. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Is hysterical. Oh, dude, just just the sheer fact that the guy is in a helicopter and Nick Cage is easily, like, 20 feet away from him. And he's and he still just goes, oh, sorry. Like, that was easily, like, one of the funniest things, like, I've seen in the time machine since we started the show. Like, up there with Dave Chappelle's body crashing onto a car and causing a seven-car pileup. Dave. Like, Dave Chappelle's as the helicopter's flying away, Dave Chappelle's body falls in the frame and gets diced up like it was the slap chop. Oh my god, that uh, that was another moment I had to pause in this movie because I was laughing way too hard at it. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I frankly speaking of funny things, I think the movie needed more of the father from Grounded for Life. I am a huge fan of that sitcom, and I remember. When I saw this movie, it was after I had started watching Grounded for Life, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, it's the dad from Grounded for Life! And I thought it was funny, and rewatching it, I thought the dad was funny in it again. I, I've, I've seen that show intermittently. Like, I... It, okay, here's the thing. It's not very creative and original in terms of, like, the stories that they come up with, but the care... I, I like the characters, because it's... It takes place uh, on Staten Island, New York, and whenever you see, like, New York portrayed in, like, sitcoms, it's never Staten Island. It's always, like, it's always, like, Manhattan and stuff like that, and, and, you know, Staten Island, from what I understand, very blue-collar working-class area of New York. Um, It's, I, from my, again, limited experience in Staten Island, I've been there uh before like i mean just for a little uh just a little visit i guess to surmise it but 
it is very, very suburban. It's actually drivable. You can actually drive your car comfortably there. It's yeah. it is a whole nother world, like compared to Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan. Like it is relatively well, quote unquote, normal, but is still considered part of New York City, which is just insane. It's yeah, it's it's your normal run of the mill neighborhood, just crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah, but um, I I thought the movie needed more of him in it because his his moments are pretty funny in the movie. Uh, I I love whenever he tries to be serious with Nick Cage. Nick Cage is like, no man, monkey videos and jelly beans and martini glasses. And Dude, the fact he's that he's like, no, I gotta talk to you. Like you, I think you're going to kill yourself with this jump. And he's like, I think we should remove the cars. And then Nick Cage is like, okay, I put in helicopters with spinning with their rotors spinning. Which, by the way, the wind disturbance would be horrendous trying to make that motorcycle jump. I kind of thought about that, too, like, how the physics of that would work, and, like, honestly, the fact that he – I was a little surprised that, like, at that point in his life, he still hadn't figured out, like, how to use his Satan powers to add some flair to it and, like, make, like, flames and, like, help jettison him more. Like, that was just kind of surprising to me. I'm not entirely convinced that he, um, at some point – uh, during filming that Nick Cage didn't just start having like a mental breakdown and acting insane and they were like, uh, we were just going to film a motorcycle movie with Nicolas Cage in it, but we're going to just film him and adapt the movie to what he's doing and Nick Cage just like screaming and making faces and saving Rebel Wilson. I'm glad you don't, or no, I texted you that, didn't I? Like, or did you notice it before yeah. I texted you? I noticed it before you texted me. I was like, Rebel Wilson, like, six years before her career actually had any impact. Oh, dude, one of the earliest sightings of Rebel Wilson. I The second she popped up on screen, I was like, wait, isn't that Rebel? So I pulled it up. I pulled up her IMDb because she was buried in Ghost Rider's IMDb. And I was like, oh, my yeah, God, this was one of her first roles. Scene. Well, she's she she gets saved from being mugged, and then she pops up, and she's like, yeah, he was in a he was in a leather coat and his head was on fire. He was, it was and rad. He was apple jacked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, you brought up something I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, and I'm losing my. Oh, yeah, Sam it's Elliott? about Nick. No, you you talking about like let's just film Nick Cage just being Nick Cage. I I have to commend. Probably my favorite part in this movie was. When he first turned into Ghost Rider, I I love how over the top the score was and over dramatic it was. The spinning camera shot, how it complimented Nick Cage screaming like that's an appropriate amount of agony that he was sounding like for being set on like fire. Taking a leak and had herpes or something. Wait, say that again. I figured he was just taking a leak and had herpes or something. <laughs> What's my motivation? <gasps> What's my motivation? You have herpes, and you're going to the bathroom, and go. <laughs> oh, I know all about that. <laughs> oh, poor Nick. <laughs> but no, like in in all seriousness, you know though, I did really love that Wilson? scene. He should have he should have looked at that criminal and said, "Put the money back in the purse." <laughs> <laughs> 
put the money or put the bunny back in the purse. What are you talking about? Look into my eyes. <laughs> oh, your, um, soul, your soul is stained with the blood of the bunny that's not in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess the one last thing I want to talk about uh, before we wrap this, um, we have not talked about Sam Elliott in this movie, uh, the guy with the deep voice and western accent. Um, I know all about what you're talking about, boy. Ghost Riders, they're, they're going to have to pee on Earth forever for the devil, but just ride your motorcycle off the horse, got sarsaparilla. <laughs> In ten years, Bradley Cooper's gonna try to pretend he's me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, what, I, what I, I like Sam Elliott in pretty much anything I've ever seen him in ever, um, and this is not a, not an exception. Um, but oh, dude, I, he's the one problem I have is the scene where uh, I honestly, if uh, someone were able to make a GIF of. Ghost Rider on a horse riding next to Ghost Rider on a motorcycle riding through that, like, western landscape at night where the flames were coming off. If someone could make a gif of that and then you could make that, like, a wallpaper for a computer, that's a pretty badass background for a computer. But when he gets to the site, he's like, that was my last ride. I'm going to have to go over there and leave. It's like, why, why can't you help him? Is it because you'd be too good? Because plot reasons, like that's this movie does definitely have a bu- lazy script. Like it makes Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's just like they can't afford to can't afford to have me on set for any more days. Bye. So so that makes me think that being a bounty hunter for Satan has an expiration date of like three hundred or two hundred years. Like, but there's no. no... He says he says I had one more transformation left in me, so it's not so much that it's got a time limit; it's got like an amount of times you can do it limit, apparently. So what? He's Doctor Who. He can only regenerate so many times. Like apparently, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. That's part, that's another thing in this that movie that is has what literally make sense to you in this movie. That's one of many things that aren't explained or make any sense in the stupid script. Like, it's amazing I had fun with this movie. Like, that's a credit to this movie that I had enough fun to give this a half pan, given the fact that this movie's script is absolutely ridiculous and stupid since we've been talking about it. Like, when you think too hard on it, oh yeah, no, this script is ridiculous. Like, and, I mean, given I don't, I, I try to shut my detective brain off, and I usually miss a lot of clear hints. A, a person who is relatively distracted or not in tune with this movie should be able to see that Sam Elliott is, of course, the first ghostwriter. Like, when that happened, I had that that uh, cliched hit my head, just like, oh, of course he was the first ghostwriter. Like, I should have saw that coming. I remember when I saw this movie for the first time, I didn't pick up on that, but I was also, like, in seventh grade. Oh, no, this was my first time watching this movie, and I felt like a complete idiot, just like, oh, of course, like, why else would Sam Elliott, of all people, be uh, in this role to not have that be the big reveal for him at the end? Like, of course it was. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, but no, I... I, I, I liked the I liked, movie, and I... Yeah, I, I did, too. I, I thought it was funny when you texted me about, like, when he breaks the shovel, and you're like, oh, it was in the shovel! 
Oh, of course, that too. That was another, like, oh, of course. Why else would he be, like, death-gripping the shovel and every single second he's in frame, you see the handle of the shovel. Like, he's obviously holding the shovel for a reason. Like, yeah. I felt like, again, I felt like an idiot for not seeing those very, very obvious signs that, again, this movie does not have subtle cinematography whatsoever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, it does not. No, but I... To put a bow on this, I, for all the complaining I've been doing, still go see this movie. You're going to have fun. This movie is the opposite of Hellboy, where it's a dark, twisted character with a very inappropriate tone that's actually kind of watchable, unlike Hellboy, which was a chore to sit through. Um, (laughs) And there's videos of monkeys in it. Yeah. Go back to the monkeys. Discovery Channel's got the monkey special on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when we ever get a soundboard i kind of want to save that among many other things that we've seen that i want to go back and capture um him just eating jelly beans out of a martini glass you're like i don't know how to make that a sound but i'm going to dude i'm gonna find a screen capture of that and just save that for like whenever we need um to make a post about like something that's going on with us like like how i found homer homer simpson eating those brownies like <laughs> dan fell in a vat of jelly beans <laughs> Nicholas Cage enjoys the taste of Dan. And oh, 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 God. Oh, oh, my, oh, my. Um, I, I don't know what to say to that. Um, I'm not going to add anything to it. Um, I wouldn't. Do you, perfect. do you have anything else to add about Ghost Rider? Uh, no, it just... I think I think this movie will always be a movie uh, of missing its potential, but it's it's pretty boring. It's not there's nothing really that great in it except for the parts that are good and entertaining and fun. But it, it just it it misses. It leaves a lot on the table. And it leaves you wanting a lot out of the movie. I I agree with everything that you've said, but I. I the parts that you're saying are fun. I I think kind of overshadow what is otherwise like yeah, it's a very mediocre like it's it's it looks too good and it has too much money and too much going for it to be like a midnight movie in that sense, but I kind of had fun with it in the same kind of sense, like just kind of like a a goofy midnight movie, even though there's no need to do callbacks or anything with this movie, like, or shout outs, whatever you call them. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's our thoughts on Ghost Rider. Um, let's go ahead and head back to 2020 and we will let you know what we got going on next week. All right, everybody, that is it for another episode of Brownie Points. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, thank you to Isla Marvin of Fugue for the bumper music in between each segment. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fugue. (laughs) (laughs) The most normal way I've said it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, as always, thank you, Isla. So uh, next week, guys. Um, uh, again, we've already said it. Sorry, we cut bad boys, but, um, it's in our back catalog if we ever get back to it, but we won't, 
<laughs> but <laughs> so uh what do we got on the docket next week uh there's always a new movie coming out and this week is no exception uh we are going to be watching the guy Ritchie british crime thriller the gentleman starring among many stars uh colin firth uh uh colin farrell and um the guy from sons of anarchy i'm completely spacing on his name i will remember it next week uh sorry he, hasn't he been in like six of our movies yeah the lost city uh, uh i'm gonna pull it up now since you said that uh he was in the lost city of z um matthew mcconaughey's in this too bro yeah thank you yeah i said among many stars <laughs> you're forgetting the star charlie hunnam yes there it is okay colin firth charlie hunnam hey okay colin firth colin farrell two collins um charlie hunnam and matthew mcconaughey yes those are the four main stars of this movie among many other people i know the guy from crazy rich asians is in it too and the star of succession again it's not a tv podcast but yes is the abbreviation for crazy rich asians crazens <laughs> hashtag crazens um <laughs> hashtag no that's not racist um <laughs> i heard it's pretty good on cereal <laughs> Is it a cereal with Lamar Jackson on the box? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so anyway, we're watching The Gentleman next week. Um, and then for The Time Machine, uh, Nick, you already told me what it is, but let the listeners know what we're going to subject ourselves to next week. <laughs> we're going back to, I think IMDb said the release year. This is 2011. Um, we are going to go back to uh, take a look at a movie that I don't know exactly when it was released, but it definitely screamed January horror film. Uh, it is the much-discussed on this podcast found-footage horror film, Apollo 18. That's right. Find out why we never went back. It was... Um, Rock Monsters! It was released in... <laughs> Um, what if oh. it was Rock Lobsters? <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I just pulled it up. It was released in September 2011. Uh, what screams uh, January horror film? Because it's PG-13 and it sucks ass. Just a heads up, my review is not going to be glowing. Oh, I'm mine either. I, I haven't seen this movie in a long time for good reasons. Because it's... Because uh, it, you've been busy? It's a train wreck. I've been busy with watching good movies. Um, I, I'm i not looking forward to it. I'm not happy that we're watching another found footage horror movie, which I've noticed is a trend of yours. Um, Just a heads up, I, I, I haven't had time to post it on uh, our Instagram page, but I was at FYE a couple weeks ago. Dan already knows about this. I was at FYE a couple weeks ago. And I bought their only two copies of The Devil Inside on Blu-ray because each copy was $2. Yep. So that review's coming sometime soon because I bought a copy of it for me and a copy of it for Dan because, you know, $2 Blu-rays, yo. Yeah, $2 Blu-rays of movies with terrible endings. Um, 
but that's <laughs> that's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Apollo 18's ending is the most entertaining part of the movie. Oh no, I was just I was just saying a two dollar Blu-ray with one of a movie with one of the worst movie endings in cinematic history. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh wait, yeah, it was this movie. Never mind. I was like, no, you're thinking of Devil Inside. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, I, but that's not next week. We're uh, we're gonna watch another found footage horror movie, but that's down the pipeline. The one that we're gonna watch this week, Apollo 18. Not to completely spoil the review, but uh, we're gonna watch it. And yes, if you want to subject yourselves to it as well, it is on Netflix. Uh, so. Join along if you dare or want to. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing next week, though. Dan sitting there is like, honestly, if you guys just skip next week's episode, I get it. <laughs> we're watching a Guy Ritchie movie and we're watching a found footage horror movie. Yeah, you can skip it if you want to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, hard hitting reviews before we've even reviewed them. Yeah, I'm in the minority of not liking Guy Ritchie films. Uh, Nick, I know you're not that familiar with him, so I'm actually kind of excited with your thoughts on The Gentleman, but I... <laughs> the review just starts, and Dan's like, Nick, what's your thought? And I'm screaming. <laughs> oh, I, I I, honestly can't wait to talk about that movie with you, because um, uh, he just directed Aladdin this past summer, and I mean, that's... Oh, dear God. Well, that's the furthest from a normal Guy Ritchie movie that arguably he's ever made. So this is more in line with Guy Ritchie. Like, he primarily only does, like, crime movies like this. So, like, Snatch. Do you remember Snatch? No. Wait. Was it, that, uh... It's got Brad Pitt in Amy... it. Wait. That wasn't the Amy, uh really crappy female comedian are you saying amy schumer yeah amy schumer i was thinking amy poehler and i was like no it's not poehler no poehler's she... funny neither of them have been in a guy Ritchie film what are you talking about <laughs> i was thinking snatched S wait snatched wait what's... where amy schumer and her mom are like tourists in brazil and they get kidnapped Oh, with Goldie Hawn. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, Yeah, Goldie no, no. Hawn, yeah. No, Snatch is very different from Snatch. I... <laughs> Once we're done taping, please just watch a trailer for Snatch and see how opposite of Snatched the, it, it is. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, but yeah, that's a... So, yeah, just to reiterate, that's what we got coming up next week. Or next week. Uh, the Gentleman and Apollo 18. Uh, Nick, let the listeners know where they can reach out to us. Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Twitter, at Brownie underscore Cinema. Or, yeah, at Brownie underscore Cinema. And Instagram, Brownie underscore Points underscore Guide. Uh, we also have a Gmail account, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Uh, send us Time Machine recommendations, movies you want to make sure we go out of our way to review, lists you think we should do, uh, brownie bites topics you think we should do things like that uh, make sure you reach out to us let us know and if you are a casual listener and have just discovered us go ahead and hit that subscribe button leave us a written review and a star rating we are here as always on itunes spotify google play 
and anchor.com we we appreciate all of you that are listening to us whether you've been with us from the beginning or have just found us like i said uh we we love doing this show we have been very excited coming into the new year our anniversary is coming up relatively soon this spring and um among other things that we've done we've done the entire star wars recap um where we talked about every movie in the series um we love having recommendations like uh when we reviewed uh no way out with kevin costner uh, we have one film that we have in the docket for the time machine and if you want to throw a from a listener specifically uh that i i'm tempted to pull up now because you're subjecting me to apollo 18 um <laughs> <laughs> well if you want the hills to be alive with the sound of music that's fine <laughs> But yeah, if you want to, like Nick said, if you want to recommend anything to us... By the way, that should be a pretty obvious hint as to what that is, and if you guys can't get that... My God. Yeah. um, But yeah, like Nick said, if you want to reach out to us for anything, any comments, any recommendations, feel free to. Uh, As always, whether you've been with us from the beginning or just found us recently, we love you, we appreciate you. We cannot wait to keep bringing you content every single week uh, that... We're not traveling. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we 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 have lives outside of the podcast, guys. We have full time jobs and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and sometimes we need to get away from both of them and go on vacation. Right. So yeah, with that, again, apologies for this episode being delayed. Our next episode will be on time, uh, late Sunday, early Monday, for the gentleman and Apollo 18. Until then, we'll catch you later. The hills are alive with the souls stained with the blood of the innocent. I'm going to call him Black. You're just going to call him Uh... Black? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I was trying to think of a name. I actually I didn't get past the first word. I was going to call him... Uh, uh, Mike Lowry. <laughs> Mike Lowry.